Steve Allen. So thank goodness Clinton's is going. Oh, couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. Actually, I'm bereft. I'm bereft. Luckily, I bought loads of cards in Clinton a short while ago. I bought a load of their Japanese cards or Chinese cards, whatever, which don't have their blank. And they're very useful for if somebody goes, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday or so-and-so's just had a bet, you quickly can scrawl a card off and get it off to them as quick as possible. So I bought about 30 of those. So I'm really pleased about that. And I'd been to Card Factory because I knew that they, they were closing as well. And I bought 20 cards just with happy birthday on the front of them because it was only £2 for 20, including the envelopes. So I thought, you know, I mean, you, you couldn't print them cheaper yourself. So I bought those. Might have to go out today and buy some more, actually, because it's always useful to have cards at home. I'm not one of these people that sort of has birthdays coming up and uh, special occasions and then goes out and buys the card. I've already got the cards at home. I've just got to find the one that suits the occasion. So most of them just say, you know, happy birthday or it's a pretty picture on the front or, you know, get well soon or whatever it happens to be. So uh, Clinton's a go. So we've only we've only got two card shops. I mean, you could buy them in Mr. Modi's round the corner. We know that. And Smith's sell a, sell a few cards. But that's, that's about it, really. I mean, how on earth are you going to sustain four card places on the high street? I've got no idea. Oh, there's another place in Church Street that sells them. But they're a little bit more sort of upmarket. But you look at the price of cards now. Have you, I mean, they're just like a fortune. £2.50, two nights out, for a bit of folded cardboard with a, with a picture on the front of it. It's just rubbish. It's just absolute downright rubbish. And also... What do you do? I mean, much as I love receiving cards, and I do like receiving cards, you know, Christmas cards and stuff like that, when you actually think about it, you, you go out there, your hard-earned money, and you pick a card you're going to send to sort of Auntie Beryl in Cleveland. You know, if, if, if you've got an Auntie Beryl in Cleveland, it proves I'm even more psychic than I thought I was, which brings me on to Derek Cora, which I'll talk about in a moment. And, and so it was then... And, and you sort of... So you, you buy the card and you write it out and you put the stamp on the front. You don't need to lick them now. You don't have those sort of stamps. You have the, the self-adhesive. And so you put them on the front of the card. They send it to Aunt Auntie Beryl in Cleveland, who, who gets loads of cards and really couldn't give a toss either way whether she gets another card as long as she lives. And so she opens it up and she goes, oh, look, a card from, from Stephen. And then she puts it on the mat and that's it. And then at the end of the week, she goes, oh, that card's still sitting up there. So she clicks and throws it away. And you think, nobody, nobody saves cards, do they? Some people save cards because it, otherwise you'd be going around, you'd be sort of climbing uphill to the television if you save them at home because you've got, you end up with so many bits of paper. So I, I throw now. I used to save. I save if it's actually got a phone number on it or an address and then try and put it into my, into my book. You know, I've got, I've got a little, a little, well, it's quite a big book, actually, full of people's addresses. If they've moved away or something, they say, now my new address is this. Or if somebody's here and then they leave, if they're a pretty picture, you can frame them. You're not serious, are you? God in heaven. Reminds me of that dreadful story years and years ago from LBC when uh, I used to get, and still do, quite a number of Christmas cards. Compared to everybody else, I get tons of Christmas cards. Don't ask, don't ask me why. It's probably out of sympathy. People think, oh, we'll send the poor old soul a Christmas card. So I got Christmas cards, and I remember saying on air at the time, and we were in Gough Square, I've got all these Christmas cards... Um, and we just throw them away. So nothing, this was 30 years, whatever, whatever year it was. And, and we sort of throw, throw them away. What do we do with them? And a charity wrote in to me and they said that we have disabled people who work with us. And we take the Christmas cards and we cut them out and we make gift tags out of the pictures. So they take the Christmas card and they cut round, if it's got a picture of a little boy or a little girl, and they make gift tags and then they punch a hole in it, put a little piece of string in there, and then they sell packets of gift tags to raise money. So I thought, what a brilliant idea. And they said, if you've actually got any spare Christmas cards, would you like to let us have them? And so I said, yeah. So I put it out on, on my programme overnight. 
bearing in mind, I'm on air at LBC from one in the morning until... It could have been five. I can't remember. Whatever it was, it was it was certainly around that sort of time. So you think overnight audiences, but let me tell you, in London, we wipe the board. We absolutely slay every other radio station. So anybody ever writes in and goes, the graveyard shift, you go, well, you're up out the cemetery early this morning, aren't you? But uh, you make up part of one of the biggest overnight audiences in London. You've only got to look at the figures, you know. We don't need to bother proving anything like that to you. Couldn't care less anyway. So... And so I then put out on air, I think at about three o'clock in the morning, if anybody's got any Christmas cards they don't want, send them in and we will pass them on to this charity. So that was that. And I was working at the time, what they called the weekend night extra. So I was doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. I had one day in the studio to do uh, preparation and do my interviews for the programme. And, and I went home on the, that was on the Sunday night, Monday morning, on on Monday afternoon, I got a phone call from my boss saying, Steve, have you put out anything? Because in those days, they didn't monitor the programmes. He said, have you put out anything on air about wanting Christmas cards? So I said, yeah, I have. I said, it's for this this charity that they have a lot of disabled kids and, and adults. And they cut out the, the cards, pictures, and they make them into gift tags. And he said, right. He said, because there's, there's quite a number of cards have started arriving here and we don't really know where to put them. I said, OK. I said, how many? He said, well, I've got three, three sackfuls of these Christmas cards. So I went, OK, right. I said, well, I'm in on Thursday. I'll deal with it then. Now, unfortunately, between Monday and Thursday, the whole thing had taken off and had degenerated because Douglas Cameron, who was working on the AM Breakfast Show with Bob Holness at the time, had heard my appeal for Christmas cards and said, well, Steve Allen is looking for Christmas cards to give to this charity. Consequently, every big business in London started saving Christmas cards. All their employees started coming in with their Christmas cards, which were then packed up and sent off to us at LBC. By the time I got in on the Thursday, the boardroom had 50 sackfuls of... You couldn't get in the boardroom. The management went apoplectic. They went ballistic. Steve, what are we supposed to do with... I said, I've got no idea. I phoned up the charity and she said, uh, oh, she said, should we pop round and pick them up? I said, yeah. I said, it's quite a lot. She said, well, how many is a lot? I said, well... There's about 50 sackfuls. I said, um, we, we actually can't get in the boardroom at the moment. It was almost like that, that scene in that film about Father Christmas where everybody wrote into Father Christmas, care of the courthouse, and they came in with all these sackfuls of post. It was a bit like that because each sack, as we opened it, had more than 200 packages in each one. We had so many packages, and she went, I don't think we need that many. And I go, I don't know what we do with them. She said, well, we'll just have to pulp them. So they would, because we didn't know what else to do with these Christmas cards. We had packages, and of course then, for weeks later, you'd have somebody writing in going, did you get my, my packet of Christmas cards I sent you? There was a rather valuable picture in there that I put in as well for you to look at and then pop back in the post to me. And they'd go, oh no, no, it's all been thrown away. It was all pulped, which was such a shame. But it was one of those things that went, went particularly wrong. You know, you have things that go wrong, like, like the Daily Mail used to have... Um, a bingo game years ago, like a lot of the papers did. I think they were started by Derek Jameson on the Daily Star. But the uh, but all the games were what we call controlled. When I say it's a controlled game, it's another word for fiddled. Okay, they knew when the winning numbers were going to be released, and they knew in which part of the country the cards were. And so the Daily Mail printed this thing, and people would religiously sit there. We ourselves at work used to have loads of cards, and you tick off the numbers, hoping beyond hope that you were going to win something to change your life. And uh, the guy on the door, Peter, would sit there with all these cars checking off. And anyway, on this particular morning, unfortunately, in the printers at the Daily Mail, they printed 
the numbers in advance. They printed winning numbers, but they printed too many winning numbers. Consequ- <laughs> consequently, more than I think... How many million people was it won? They all thought they, they'd won the, the, the bingo in the Daily Mail, so people besieged it. And it was something like 60,000 people won. And they all put it away. Yeah, I've won, I've won. They went, yeah, there's another 59,999 of you out there because they inadvertently printed the wrong numbers. And bingo after that collapsed a little bit. I think they all got something like 60 pence. They were all hoping to get a million because that's they were offering big prizes in those days. So uh, so anyway, so that's, my, that's my story about cards and Clintons because if you're going to go, it's because they're going to be doing all sorts of deals. And my advice is stock up quick Buy loads, as I've done from the card factory, and then you've got cards there for that occasion. It doesn't matter, as long as it says happy birthday on the front, you don't want anything that's got an age written on it, because that's stupid, because you've got to know somebody who's 40 or 50 or 60. So just buy something that says happy birthday. Buy, buy blank cards. Blank cards with nothing inside, then you can put your own message. Okay? Because it's, it's absolutely worth it. That's a, listen, if I can get 20 cards for two quid, it's absolutely worth it. You know, because they're going to go under. I think the card factory closes in a matter of days in, in Twickenham. Mind you, they have sold the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen so much rubbish sold in card shops. And uh, all the people who have birthdays on leap years, and everybody buys them a card saying, happy fourth birthday, because I think they're funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I never buy any card that's got a number on it. It's just stupid. Just buy blank, or, you know, or it says, happy birthday, or so sorry, or something like that. So sorry, it's a very good one, actually, I think, to send to anybody. I'm so sorry. I come from, I come from up north. I'm so sorry. And it must be dreadful for you. And, um, and, that, and that way you'll save some money. OK, so hopefully you've taken our advice. If you haven't, it's your own problem. Uh, we did say stockpile stamps, because they're now up to 60 pence, whereas you could have bought them when they were 47p, and thus saved a small fortune. I've got... Hundreds of stamps at home. I've got so many stamps, it's embarrassing. And now I've got the cards as well. More cards I shall buy today, and I shall save money. But in a moment, the stupidest woman I've ever seen in my entire life. I didn't, I mean, I seriously thought we were filming for the Jeremy Kyle show. I did look around for a camera thinking, she, she can't be this stupid. Nope, she really is this thick. And we found her in the Shell filling station in Twickenham yesterday. I don't know, these things, they're just like a gift, ladies and gentlemen. They fall into my lap. So we'll be talking about that in a moment. Also, rickshaws. The bane of everybody's life. And, you know, I looked out of the window earlier on, just, just thinking, is it still raining out there? Two people are walking past the hotel over on the left-hand side. OK. Obviously just finished work in a restaurant. I say that because they look like they just finished work in a restaurant, maybe in Chinatown or something like that. And one goes into the doorway of the hotel and urinates. He's going to the toilet in the doorway of the hotel. And I'm standing there thinking... In broad, you know, I'm saying broad daylight, he's actually going to the toilet in the doorway to the hotel. And nobody came out of the hotel. I'd have, I'd have wrung his neck. Wrung his neck. What a stupid person. But uh, tell you about the other stupid one after this. LBC 97 point Steve Allen. So to come rickshaws, the bane of everybody's life in London, driven by everybody who hasn't got a licence and uh, barely struggles with English and doesn't pay tax. OK, so that's summed them up quite quickly. They're thinking about licensing them. I've heard this a million times before. Thinking, you know, and they say if they were licensed, it could improve safety on the roads. I mean, to be honest with you, these uh, these rickshaws are just the bane of everybody's life in London. The only people who seem to like them are complete 
prunes or come out of the theatre or having had a few drinks and think, oh, let's get in this, it'll be a little bit of fun. No, it's not. They're very, very dangerous. I'm waiting for the first accident where somebody's killed. Can't be that far away. So anyway, so I go out yesterday and, and I think, I better put some petrol in the car because I've been driving backwards and forwards to court and I'd used up petrol. So I pull into the garage and I'm filling up and it, it only takes about you know, 40, 50 pounds worth of petrol. So I'm filling up, and, and you know when you're, you aren't thinking anything. When you're actually putting petrol in the car, you're not thinking of anything at all. I'm just sort of staring into the distance. I don't even bother looking at the, at the thing ticking round, because I'm not going to put 10 quid's worth in. I'm going to fill up, you know, the tank. And so I'm doing that, and I was aware of another car pulling in the other side of me. So we're sort of separated by the pumps. I've got pump five and she's got pump four i knew it was a woman because i turned around and, I, and luckily i recognized my powers of observation have not failed me and i was aware of the fact she was talking and i thought she was talking to somebody inside her vehicle and it wasn't till i finished filling up the car that i walked round that i realized she was on her mobile she was talking on her mobile in a filling station attempting to put petrol in and i thought you're a bit stupid aren't you you're a bit... Perhaps you haven't read the story of the woman who was decanting the petrol in the kitchen with the gas stove on. You know, another of the stupid people in the world. Anyway, so this one, so I go in, and the bloke who turns the pumps on and off is gesticulating to her out the window, put your phone down, turn your phone off. You're in a filling station, there are petrol fumes, you're on a phone, it's got a battery, it's electricity. Thicko. And so, and she's just, she's blindly carrying on. She's looking at him like he's stupid and carrying on. So he's not turning the pump on. He's leaving it turned off. In the end, I'm sort of, pay- he said, why is she on her phone? So I said, because she's stupid. She can't help it. She's a bit thick. And so he then goes on the intercom. Can you put your phone back in the car? She totally ignores him. She, t- she stands there and she's blatantly disregarded and she's on the phone. So I'm, th- so I then thought... Perhaps it's a film set-up. Perhaps they're filming it for London tonight. Perhaps they've sent somebody out to see how stupid you can be in a filling station. And so you've got petrol fumes out. It's been proven before that it's highly dangerous because the battery, you could have a spark, anything like that, and the whole place could blow up. I just wanted to get out as quick as possible. So I go past, you go, and she goes to me, what's he on about? Because she, she was classy, obviously from Chelsea or Mayfair or something like that, and uh, quite clearly had loads of money. What's he on about? About, about, I think she said. Anyway, and so I said, put your phone down. Why? I thought, oh, we're being filmed, aren't we, for some television programme? And so I said, because you're not supposed to use phones in garages. Who says? And I said, then I lost it. I said, there's a little diagram round here. I said, just for people like you that can't read. I said, and it's a picture of a mobile phone. I said, you can't use them because of petrol fumes. Yeah, nah, she said, which I, I interpreted as no. And uh, she said, that don't mean nothing. And so I thought, well, blow yourself up. I couldn't really care less, actually. You don't deserve to live anyway. But she was the stupidest woman I've ever seen. So she's luckily never turned the pump on. I mean, you know, I'd have loved to have been in there and go, go away. You're too stupid for words. How you ever got a driving licence, I'll never know. But, you know, on a phone, in a, in a garage. I mean, I haven't seen anybody as stupid as that since I saw a picture of a Hollywood star filling up with a fag in his mouth. Admittedly, it wasn't lit. But it's just the fact that he was that stupid to have a cigarette in his mouth. God, blimey, I tell you, drives you to distraction, doesn't it, really? Absolutely drives you to distraction. Because you seriously... Th- I mean, I'm sure that these people hunt me out. The stupids of the world. They're all out there. They can't help it. It's not their fault. I mean, she really was that thick. She really was that thick. Alan and Enfield, what happened to the actors and actresses in the carry-on films? What, are you stupid or something? What do you mean, what happened to them? 
Have you heard of an internet? God, blimey. I don't know, you do get some people, don't you, this morning. Lisa says, I found some nice cards in the cancer research shop the other day. They said, I've forgotten, but yes, you're right, actually. I've forgotten the charity shops all do their own cards, don't they? But mainly Christmas. Mainly Christmas. They don't actually do birthday... Do they do birthday cards? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't go into a charity shop to buy to buy birthday cards at all. I'd probably send... I mean, I do like sending birthday cards. You have to if, it, if it's the kids. You can't just send them an e-card, could you? Or something. Well, I suppose I could. But no, de- definitely a card because it's got to have money in it, which is good. So on the subjects of rickshaws, I don't know if you've ever taken a rickshaw in London. Very, very expensive. Carol McGiffin took one home once, cost her 40 quid. I thought that's 40 pounds cash that he's trousered, and because 90% of them are, are, are blokes, and they don't actually, they don't actually uh, pay any tax whatsoever. They don't pay any tax whatsoever. So, uh, and most of them are fiddling on benefits, doing all the usual sort of things. So my advice is, <clears throat> and also they have no insurance. In other words, if he turns a corner, and many of them go up one-way streets in Soho, and you get hit by a car, there's no chance you claim it. Who are you going to claim from? You're not going to claim for anybody. You know, you could be disabled for the rest of your life. Uh, 84850, uh, There was research into the use of mobile phones in petrol they've been found not to cause a threat. Don't be so stupid. Don't be so stupid. I mean, listen, it's a battery which is electricity. OK, don't have to explain it any more to you, but mobile phones break. OK, sometimes somebody drops them. It's got electricity in it and kind of electricity and petrol fumes don't really go together. OK, shouldn't really have to explain that to somebody who purports to be an adult. But, you know, I'll try and explain it as best I can, I'm afraid. So rickshaws, have you been in one? I mean, I know that people say, giggle away through London. All I'm thinking is I want to run them all over, actually, especially if they get in front of me. I like putting my foot down and getting right up close to the back. And then, woo, woo, woo. Always frightens them a little bit. 0845 What does your dog say about you? Apparently, it turns out now that the Queen's favourite dog has seen a boost in popularity in the Diamond Jubilee year. More people want corgis. Oh, oh, Why? One of the most unattractive dogs in the history of dogs. Awful. Apparently, there is a Find a Puppy website. A total of nearly 6,000 people have searched for the dog on the website. What for? The, uh, the royal family have had corgis for years. Years. Ugly dogs. Ugly, s- short, squat, fat, stumpy little legs. Not even, oh, ghastly. The Queen's, I don't know why the Queen's always had them. I think they had them from, from childhood. But it's the uh, Cardigan Welsh Corgi puppies. Apparently fewer than 300 are registered each year. And of course, you know, where are all the puppy farms? They're in Wales, ladies and gentlemen. Mostly in Wales, puppy farms. Don't ever buy from puppy farms. We had this big campaign years ago to stop people buying from, and they go, and this is the mother and this is the father. And you go, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very dodgy people selling puppies. Very dodgy people. But, I mean, why would somebody want to get them now? Because it's the Diamond Jubilee. Do people go, oh, it's the Diamond Jubilee. The Queen's got a corgi, we'll have a corgi as well. You know, like, she's only been on the throne for 86 years. You know, plus. And, and she's had corgis for all that amount of time. People now go, do you know, it's Diamond Jubilee, let's get a corgi. I don't quite see it, actually. They really aren't, aren't attractive. If I was going to have a dog, I'd have one of those little dogs. That sort of bounces around a bit. No, not a chihuahua. I wouldn't have a chihuahua. Oh, God, no. A rat with no fur on it. No, thank you very much. They sit there and shiver and sort of silly people have them tucked under their arms. Jerry Halliwell used to walk around town with her dog in a bag. 
You know, and then obviously got bored with it because it became an accessory and so dumped it off on a mother. You know, I hate that. I sat on a bus once and I'm sort of sitting there, so I'm sitting the window, and I was aware that something moved in this woman's handbag. And there's this young girl sitting there and she's got a chihuahua in a handbag. And I felt like saying, it's got legs, dear, put it on the floor. It walks. It's not on casters. You know, put it on the floor, let it walk. It's a dog. Oh, people walking around with dogs under their arms. Stupid, stupid people. Very dim, very dim. So, w- favourite breed of dog this morning? Please not cook, please not cook. I'll compile a, a small list. We used to have a Cocker Spaniel called Jasper, because we were very middle class. Well, I thought we were working class the other day, but now it turns out we're obviously middle class family. So we had a, a, I don't know where Jasper came from. We had Jasper as a puppy. And we've got all this lovely footage of Jasper. But unfortunately, Jasper went round the twist, as, uh, as a lot of uh, Cocker Spaniels do. And we got it from a, a kennels down in Shenfield. And I remember the day we actually got him, we brought him home, and he was just all... He was just all sort of tiny and very soft and with long sort of ears. And we used to sort of, just for joke, put his ears over his eyes. Bless his heart, you know. So we think it all gone dark. And, uh, and then he sort of grew up to be quite nice, actually. But then, as with all dogs, unless you're committed to them, it's a case of it's raining. Who's going to take the dog out for a walk? Oh, does the dog have to go out? Yes, it has to go out for a walk. It wants to go to the toilet. Because dogs don't, don't go to the toilet just like that. It's something that when they go outside, something triggers something, and they then go to the toilet. So a dog could sit there all day. It doesn't cross its legs. It just sort of waits, and then it just goes. Unless you've house-trained it and taken it outside. So, so we used to take Jasper out. But unfortunately, if ever it was raining, it was my mum's job. And eventually, you know, something had to break. <laughs> it was the dog, I'm afraid. But uh, unfortunately, Jasper... Well, Jasper, unfortunately, went out one day for a walk across the fields and stuck his head into a wasp's nest, uh, which was a little bit unwise, as sort of dogs go. And the wasps retaliated quite badly, as, you know, he was sort of... He didn't know what it was. He probably hadn't seen a wasp before, and we hadn't trained him. We didn't sort of sit there holding up pictures of wasps, going, look, wasp, no, no, naughty, very bad. So we didn't do that. So he came back, and unfortunately he'd been stung all over his nose, and his little face swelled up. Well, about two months after that, he started becoming a bit irritable. And he started walking into furniture, and then he started snapping... And then it became a little bit... Uh, he, he really became a bit of a handful, I'm afraid. And, of course, in those days, people didn't have things like puppy training or anything like that. People were sort of left to, left to sort of make it up themselves. And so uh, we did. And, unfortunately, he was then taken... Because he then became quite, quite a dangerous dog in a sort of strange way, I mean, as, as only you can imagine. And I remember I came back from school one day and Jasper wasn't there anymore. I think he'd gone to S-L-E-E-P somewhere. I wasn't too sure. We, we never actually got to the bottom of it. We never actually found out where he'd gone, but he definitely had gone somewhere. Whether he was taken to the V-E-T, I don't know. But uh, whatever it was, he didn't come back. He didn't come back. Mind you, we had a cat in the same way, but that one left home voluntarily. But, uh, but the dog sort of went out, you know, all by... It probably didn't know where it went. It probably just, it, I'm, I'm led to believe he went to a happier place. S-L-E-E-P. I have to say it like that because there might be dogs listening who are getting a bit panic-stricken. You know, you've only got to develop sort of like a bit of gout in that back leg and immediately the owners start looking at you going, well, he's not much use to anybody now, is he? And you sit there thinking, I'm really healthy. I'm really healthy, I promise you. You know, I can look, I can, I can walk, I can jump, I can do anything, I can lick your face. <gasps> I saw somebody the other day having their face licked by a dog. Oh, have you seen what dogs lick? And then they want to lick your face. I don't think so. I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. Not my idea of fun. So, what does your dog say about you? 
And uh, at the moment, it's all... It's going to be, I suppose, this year, according to the Kennel Club, Pembroke Welsh Corgi Puppies. Because when they're puppies... Corgis look quite attractive. It's when, they, it's when they get a bit older that they don't look so attractive, I'm afraid, which is a bit of a shame. So what does your dog say about you? 0845 6060 Have you ever been in one of those bicycle rickshaws? Which, frankly, I mean, I really do think they're very dangerous. It might be fun in Singapore and in Hong Kong and places like that, but, I mean, I really don't think around the streets of Soho with sort of the amount of traffic that we've got. And they're thinking about bringing in licensing for those and stretch limousines. What, there's no licensing for those ghastly cheap Essex things. You know, I wouldn't mind, but if you saw somebody in a stretch limousine, one of those white ghastly things with sort of pink lights around the outside, you would go, cheap Essex girls, night out, you know, hen, hen night, and they've rented it. If you saw somebody in a Bentley or a Rolls, you'd go, bit of class. Or would you? LBC 97.3, it's 4.30. 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 84850, Steve at LBC.co.uk or 08454090973. Uh, the Bingo Fiasco is the Daily Mirror. No, it was definitely the Daily Mail. Oh, absolutely. It was definitely... The, what is it, they all ran bingo. But it was the Daily Mail that screwed up big time. Absolutely. I'm
you know, start naked, as far as we're concerned, you know, in the land that he comes from. Well, well, he, he actually could be a midget, because in the, in the world he inhabits, it's a spirit world, things are all backwards. So you can have a six-foot midget, where you can have a, a two-foot giant. You know, everything's all backwards in, in the spirit world. And so, he's, and so he's, he looks at this woman in the audience, he goes, I've got a woman with me here. Um, she's, she's, she's not tall. And he starts fumbling for the answers, OK? This is when you know it's called cold reading. So, in other words, he'll actually say, uh, I've got a woman here. So we're presumably looking at this woman's mother, OK? Uh, she's, she's passed over, and she's not, she's not a tall woman, but she's not, she's not short. And she's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying she's stocky. And what he's getting, he's getting pictures from this woman who's sitting in the audience, who is nodding or not doing anything at all. So it's giving him the answer, so in other words, if he says she, she's sort of, she, she, she's not stocky and the woman sort of screws up her face a little bit, he goes, you know, not, not fat, what I mean is, and he's fumbling, he's doing cold reading, but on television in front of everybody. And, and, it, and then this woman starts crying a little bit because my mother passed over and all the rest of it. She had a bit of pain. I thought, of course she did, she's dead. Of course she had pain. It was a stupid, it was, it was just, it was a gift to radio presenters, to sit there and watch this pile of rubbish on the television. Because you remember at one time, Derek Akora, uh, I've got footage of Derek Akora being caught out, uh, where, I mean, you know it's a load of old hokum, but it parts people from their money. People go and see the shows because they think he can contact the other side. He can no more contact the other side than I can pick up the telephone director and speak to God. OK, it's as basic as that. But uh, if it keeps people happy, fair enough. You know, I don't have a problem with it. I just I just object to the way that they do it and the way, you know, if, if you've got a gift, give it to somebody for free. You know, I've, I've, I've got a woman here now and a, a, ma- a man's passed over. I thought there's millions of men passed over. That's what people are in your audience for. If you're a normal person, you're not going to go to a Derek Akora show. You're going to hope that he contacts your auntie Winifred you know, died on holiday in Barbados of rum consumption or something like that. That's, that's what you're going there for. You aren't going to go there. They, they always say, when we used to do psychics on LBC years ago, and you've probably been to them, ladies and gentlemen, you've probably phoned up one on LBC, you know, as we've had tons over the years. And people have phoned up and, uh, and they say, oh, I'd like to know, I'm thinking of going abroad. Would that be a good decision? And I'm thinking, why would you phone up somebody and ask them a decision you must better make for yourself? And people always phoned up about the same thing. If it's an elderly person, it's going to be health. You're not going to be phoning up about your love life, are you, at the age of 79, I don't think. Well, you might be, some of you. Because there's a woman in the paper today, 70-year-old virgin, and she's looking for love. <gasps> Scary. I won't tell you which area she's in, just in case you need to double lock the door. And so they, they have all these people. So, and if, if it's sort of a younger person, it's going to be either romance or education or moving or it's career. It's something like that. You can pinpoint people. If it's an elderly person, you know damn well they're going to have something the matter with their feet. Because all elderly people have something the matter with their feet or a little bit of back. So if, if you say to somebody on the phone, you can tell, you know, next on the line, we've got Joan. Joan's going to be a fair, you know, somebody of about the age of 50 plus. That's going to be a Joan. It's not going to be an 18-year-old. And she's going to come on and go, hello. And you're going to go, oh, it's been a little bit of pain there, hasn't there? Now, pain covers everything. Pain can either be... And if they go, no, no, I'm quite healthy. You go, no, no, I didn't mean pain in that way. Because you've already given them the answer. So now you know it's not medical. Now you can go, it's, you, you've had your heart broken. Or, and they go, no, not really. You go, something, it's a friend, isn't it? And so gradually you get them to give you the answers. And so that's how it works. I mean, it's a load of old hooey. It really is a load of old rubbish, but interesting to watch Derek Akora with his spirit guide, Sam, who might or not be a six-foot midget who's gay. I mean, we have no idea of knowing 
and possibly best best that we don't actually because it is Sam's show. Sadly, he has to use Derek Acora. In fact, you'd rather they actually gave it to Sam and we just talked to a couch all night. Far more entertaining. So rickshaws. Sorry to go back to rickshaws again because in London, and I don't think I might be wrong. I don't think we have them in any one of our cities, unless you know differently, 0845 6060973. More people are now going to get corgis uh, because it's the, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and they think that having a corgi makes you a bit more royal. I'm not sure how I see that happening myself, I'm afraid. And uh, Clinton's. Do you know, 8,000 jobs could go. Sad though it is, I don't think Clinton's moved with the times. What happened was, I think they've... Good Lord, they've got that many shops. 628 shops and 139 birthday stores. Uh, they failed to find a buyer. They've made losses of 130 million. They had outstanding debts of 35 million. And the Royal Bank of Scotland sold that on to an American company, which is what happens in business. You sell on a debt. And that company, you hope, sort of goes, oh, yes, we'll give you another year. And they decided to call in the loans. So they went back to him and said, no, we want the money. And, of course, Clinton's, who must be struggling on the high street. I mean, how many cards do you need to sell? It's not like selling a cup of coffee. You know, where you go into Starbucks and it's quite normal for two of you to spend £5 something. Very, very easy. And you then go to, say, Clinton's and you might buy one card because it's so expensive. And you can send e-cards. You can go to Jackie Lawson, you know, on the internet. And you can send hundreds of cards for, I think, about £2 a year. You can send, if you want to send a thousand cards, you can send a thousand, it won't cost you a penny piece. And they can all be personalised. You've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got your mobile phone, you can send a text, you can send an email, you can send everything. You can actually go to, in fact, Moonpig probably do quite well, but they don't have a retail outlet. It's all mail order, and I think it's the Isle of Man, isn't it? The Isle of Wight, they're based. And you design your card online, and then they actually post it for you, and people like those person. First time I got one, I thought that was really clever. I thought that was really, really clever. I've never seen a card like it before. Now, of course, they're actually sort of passe. Do you still send cards, ladies? I bet the elderly, I bet a lot of elderly people listening this morning still send cards. I bet you anything. 0845 6060973. They reckon that the group could still trade here, strangely enough. Uh, They remain confident it will be attractive to potential buyers. I don't think it is. I've been into Clinton's. I mean, they do spend a lot of time filling up the shelves. It's, it's dated now. People don't want to spend a lot of money on a, on a piece of printed card. I don't think so. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. You might have to tell me. 0845 6060973. And um, I bet Jasper the dog rues the day that he was named, having been stung to the point of death by wasps, also known as Jaspers. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure, actually. I can't remember where we, when we, how we named him, why we named him Jasper. Because my father, when he was stationed in Germany, he used to have Alsatians. But, and, and I always fancied Alsatians, but then I used to look at them and think, they're pretty big, aren't they? They're quite big. And then I thought, do you want a long-haired Alsatian or a short-haired Alsatian? Alsatian puppies are good, because I like the police dogs. I've always wanted one of those dogs that finds drugs. I've always wanted to have a dog that you can walk around Soho and it sits down by somebody's feet outside a cafe and you go, terribly sorry, would you like to come with us? I love watching all those programmes on the television about border control. There was a man the other day, a uh, Turkish man, and he, he's in there with his wife and what, he, what has he brought in? Salami. OK, he's brought in salami. And he doesn't declare it. You know, it says on the thing quite clearly, have you got any food? You know, it's a difficult word for a lot of people to understand. Food. And so anyway, he, they, they then go, no, we haven't. And so they go, we'd just like to put your bags through the x-ray. And as it gets to the x-ray, he goes, oh, uh, I have some salami in there. He only had, like, one big 
salami and half another one, which they'd started eating. And and so so the, the, the man said, well, you've got salami. Yes. Well, there's a fine for that. We're going to confiscate it because you cannot bring meat products in. How long does this man stand there arguing the toss? An hour and a half. An hour. He was the stupidest man. We could put him next to the woman in the petrol station. An hour and a half. He, he was going to lose the salami because he'd not declared it. And he got fined as well. £200. And, and, the, and the bloke's at $200. He said, listen, even if you don't pay this now, he said, they will pursue you for this money. If you ignore it, he said, the next time you come into the country, you will be held by the police. It's as simple as that. Don't think you're being very clever, because you're not. Because the law is on our side. We ask... An hour, he goes back... He's throwing his passport down. He's having this big drama. And, of course, I'm sitting there laughing, thinking, when it says, have you got any food to declare, do you think that maybe nobody will notice it? It's a salami! It's as big as a house, this thing. It's enormous. Of course somebody's going to notice it. And we've all done it. We've all taken things into other countries, haven't we? Thinking, oh, I hope they don't find that. I hope they don't find it. You know, you've wrapped it in, in tin foil. Have you done that? Have you done that thing before? Come on. We've all done it. You've all taken something in and you've hidden it in between your pants and your socks. Come on, you've done it. Hoping they're just going to open up the case because the moment they go, excuse me, would you like to come over here, please? Did you pack your own case? And your heart goes, yes. And they go, do you have anything in here? No. And, you, and, and then and you can feel yourself welling up. You don't like to be honest, do you? You don't like to say to them, actually, I've got 4,000 cigarettes, I've got some cooked meat, and there's some monkey in there as well. Because it's amazing what people bring in. It is absolutely amazing. There was a woman the other day, this was in New Zealand, and she was about 50, and she brought in marijuana in bags. But she said, and he went, this, because it got strong readings off the bag, because they, they do a little swab thing, put it in, beep, 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 beep marijuana. And he goes, um, have you got any marijuana in here? No. And so he opens it up. Anyway, he finds two bags of what looked like shredded cabbage. It was marijuana. And so she then stands there and she goes, but no smoke. She goes, chew, chew. And so he goes, yeah, it's marijuana. And she goes, yeah, but no smoke. And so he goes, what, how does it make you feel? Very happy. Very happy. And he goes, it's marijuana. What is it about marijuana you're not quite understanding? And she's going, but no smoke. Just, just chew. You know, for for medicine. He said, but it makes you feel happy. Yes, very happy. Very, very... Anyway, they confiscated it and found a $900. It's amazing the stuff you get. You sit there, I watch these television programmes. It makes the only way as Essex seem positively dull, ladies and gentlemen. Unlike rickshaws, which I think are highly dangerous. Unless you think differently. 08456060973. And are you sad to see the demise of Clintons? Do you still send birthday cards? Or, like the rest of us, do you do everything on the internet? Nice to have a card occasionally, but you can get those anywhere. A whole shop devoted to cards. Maybe maybe not so good. Maybe not so good. Let me know. 08456060973. 14 to 5. This is L. Morning, 12 minutes to uh, 5. Uh, Steve, uh, I've just woken up listening in, currently taking my exams. Do you have any revision tips? Yep, don't bother with exams. That's my revision tip. I never did any exams whatsoever. Didn't do any at all, didn't need to. Didn't need to. In my day, you could leave at 15. I saw no point in doing exams whatsoever. I saw, I saw no benefit in studying. I just wonder, actually, how, how important... Uh, you know, I understand the importance of an education, but I don't understand the importance of exam results. I've never known any employer in my business go, and, and um, um, what, what exam results do you have? Three A's and a B. I mean, what does that do? It's when you can do the job. I thought that actually mattered. I mean, you've got to have an education. 84850 
steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is from uh, Graham, and it's in Bangkok. He says, I gather the Thais don't give cards. Oh. He says that there are no card shops. Really? What do they give, then? Instead, I suppose they give flowers or something like that. I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of that before. That would be quite a good one. Uh, so, not having card... Mind you, the way we're going now, we won't be having card shops here, either. There's just going to be very, very uh, few, few cases. Uh, one here. Susie says, I work in the music industry. We get invited to networking events from time to time. I was at one of these events with a good radio DJ friend of mine, and a young chap came up and said, uh, and asked us what we did. When we explained, he said, hold on, let me get a pen so I can network you two. I don't even know what that means. What, what's networking? What does that mean? Does networking mean you sort of you uh, you sort of hook up with other people in the business? Oh, ghastly, horrible thought. Oh dear, don't like that idea at all. <laughs> the idea of hooking up to somebody in the media. What do you do? I'm in the media. Uh, Steve says you're right. Everybody uses the internet these days. Our local barber Glenn tried e haircuts. We didn't quite catch on. Uh, Dave in Sidcup, Clinton cards enter administration thinking of you at this difficult time. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Gliss says, I send virtual bunches of flowers or bottles of wine on Facebook for birthdays and do personalised cards for family on bonus print. Yes. Ian in Harlow says, my gran had a corgi. It was the most vile, snappy dog I've ever known. (laughs) They can, but well, I think any dog can be like that. I don't think it's just confined to corgis. I just don't like corgis. I just don't like corgis. Apparently, Barry says, any limo that carries more than eight people must be licensed through uh, VOSA, V-O-S-A, and comes under the same laws as a coach. Limos that carry a maximum of eight are governed by local council bylaws. Ah, interesting. I didn't realise it. So we're, so we're now actually putting them in the same category as the rickshaws. And are you a fan of Diana? I only ask, because Penny Juna has written this book... And uh, she sit back at her, her critics because she said that she thinks Diana was mentally ill. She says, I've been called vile and evil for telling the truth about Diana. Now, I don't believe any of these people who write about these people know them at all. What they do is they cobble something together. I don't know, for example, and I shouldn't imagine Penny Juna could ever prove it, exactly what her relationship is with or was with, with Diana. But the, the, the sad thing is, and the sad thing about the book is the fact that, you know, she's got two sons who are still very much alive, and to have their mother described as mentally ill is not the nicest thing. It would be like Penny Juna's children, if she has any. I don't know if she has any children, describing their mother as mentally unhinged and unbalanced. It's not, it's not a very pleasant thing to write. You don't write that about Diana. I realise it sells books, and that's purely why, why Penny, Penny Juna has, has done it. And she talks about the children here. She talks about the strength of the firm, and the kids are close to their uh, uh, grandparents. And she believes that the loss of Nanny Barnes and then Diana had a dreadful impact on both boys, that one thing they never lacked was love. They were surrounded by it. Well, of course, they, they did have that. I mean, you, you, you are realising that these people, uh, you know, are, uh, are sort of, you know, indoctrinated into a family that doesn't... They, they, they don't live in the real world. They, they, they aren't in the real world. They don't do things that we do. You might think that they're doing them, but when they, when they go back inside and they close the door, it's completely different. You, you, know, you can never say it, uh, it's, it's, it's a normal family. In fact, it absolutely isn't a normal family. <laughs> they really aren't a normal family. But, but to call you know, Diana mentally ill, I think, is just taking it a little bit too far. I realise that Penny Juno want, wants to flog some books because that's what she's in the business of. And uh, she's obviously a big fan, as you remember, of Prince Charles. In fact, I think she's quite close with, with Prince Charles. So she's, she's talking here 
uh, about... Uh, she, she says Charles was profoundly depressed when his marriage wasn't working. Of course he was, because he was carrying on with two women. He's got one who he's married to, and the other one, you know, the, uh, the Audrey Roberts chain-smoking look-alike, who he ends up marrying when the other one dies in a, in a mysterious way. I mean, I should imagine anybody was a bit depressed. The, the, the problem with the royal family was that when Diana came into it, and they had the same trouble with Sarah Ferguson, it's an outsider coming into the family. And the family have a way of operating. You know, in other words, uh, Prince Charles just can't phone up and talk to his mother on the phone. It has to go through the private secretary to see if if, uh, Her Majesty the Queen is available to talk to her son. It's, it's, It's as ridiculous as that. They don't even put their own toothpaste on brushes. You know, they don't even dress themselves. They have people who actually dress them now. So you're dealing with a, a completely different family. So sort of Prince Charles and, and Penny Junor, who's very much on Prince Charles' side, says here, the man I interviewed was already deeply unhappy. He wanted his marriage to work. He wanted what his friends had, a happy family. Yeah, he might have done, but I think he wanted his, his cake and eat it as well. He was burning his little candle, definitely at both ends. He wanted someone to support him, to help him, to be with him. Camilla is a red herring. He didn't start seeing her again until Diana had been unfaithful. Don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. I really don't. I know it sells books. And, uh, you know, even seeing the evidence, I, I would be I'm very blinkered on things like that. Bridget says, my dogs are beautiful. Shame I'm not. They're Shetland sheepdogs. Shetland Sheepdogs. I don't know what Shetland Sheepdogs are. Oh, right. Oh, there they are. Look. They look a bit like sort of collies. Look a bit like collies. Shetland Sheepdogs. I like the one at the end, on the far left-hand side. It's got one of those nice faces. He looks like he's got a nice face. And the third one in. Nice. There's a lot of brushing, a lot of hair around the house, I should imagine. A friend of mine's got um, a border collie, and the hair is everywhere. So he's having all the carpets taken up. So he can put down wooden flooring, but the dog doesn't like wooden flooring. So he's got a problem. He's got to put rugs down on top of the wooden flooring, which kind of defeats the object. So uh, the only reason we're talking about dogs this morning is that um, is that because of the jubilee, a lot of people are now turning their attention to corgis because the Queen's favourite dog uh, is now boosting popularity. So people have been to this this website, find a puppy. What a worrying website that sounds. And and they're looking up. Pembroke Welsh Corgi Puppies. There's a, there's a 10% increase in the number registered with the Kennel Club, which means that they, they come from good stock, as it were. Uh, in the papers today, and if you were a Diana fan, I'd love to hear from you. Doesn't, doesn't, don't you find it depressing that somebody can write about her and call her mentally ill? Uh, Videl Sassoon, who, as you know, featured on In Conversazione only a short while ago because he was over here, and uh, 84, Videl Sassoon died with his, uh, uh, at his home in America. 84. He didn't look 84, I have to tell you. We had a picture taken with him, and we were, we were put together in the tiniest little studio. It was, and I got him first of all, which, which was great, because if, if I'm doing interviews like that, and they're over here, and they've got a lot of interviews to do, I like to make sure I'm first, because I get the longest interview, and also people get a little bit tired. And if you say to them, it's 20 minutes. But luckily, uh, he was a good talker. So if you haven't downloaded that from the LBC website, my advice is do it now, 84850. Uh, D says... Uh, Penny Junas left off articles and books slating Diana for years. Um, vile woman. Yes, interestingly enough, interesting enough, she's a big fan of Prince Charles. I think she's been to dinner at Highgrove and stuff like that. Uh, Especialist card shops become obsolete, says Mark. Greetings cards will still continue to be available in supermarkets and main... Per- yes, I keep forgetting about all the, the other places where you can get greetings cards now. The corner shop, the supermarket, the charity shops, there's loads of places. Main post offices... Yeah. 
Kate says, you could head up a pressure group, Steve, to have all the rickshaws turned into Fiat Pandas. I'd like to just take them off the streets. I'd only have to look at the people driving them to realise how unsavoury they are. They really do look like a real bad lot. You know, if I turned up in court the other week on jury service and seen any of these people, convicted straight away, straight away. What do you do? Rickshaw driver. That's it. You're in it. Uh, Steve, I was in boots perusing the anti-ageing creams that are going to make me look 20 again. And there were cards in the next aisle. Yes, there is no anti-aging cream, Morel, that's going to make you look 20 again, OK? The only thing that's going to help with that would be a head transplant. There's going to be, there is no cream that can make you look 20. God knows, we've, we've all looked for them for, since day one, haven't we? We always like that kind of thing. You know, have you actually got a cream that can turn the, the clock back? No. Because inside, you're still the same person. Doesn't really matter. Uh, they're talking about uh, dementia. Brian Reed is uh, writing today. Because they're going to give more money into the NHS for people with dementia. Because as, as we get older, you know, things like this are awaiting around the corner. And it's a terrible thing. He talks about how his uh, dad, you know, desperately needs his, his medicine and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm with him on that one. Uh, Videl Sassoon's on the front page. An actor, Sean Bean, arrested over claims he sent abusive texts and calls to his ex-wife. Abusive texts. I mean, you see the troubles, you, see, you find them straight away. In his case, I mean, quite clearly his wife went, that's him. It's not going to be that difficult. And Jeremy Clarkson has, has, um, has blasted Simon Cowell after the BBC scrapped any new Top Gear episodes for the rest of the year. The Bubblehead presenter blamed the BBC chiefs for running scared of Cowell's hit ITV shows. He says, there's a rumour in internet land that there'll be no more Top Gears this year. I'm afraid that apart from a Christmas special, it's true. I don't, has it not run its course, Top Gear? Is it just three overpaid way out of their depth blokes messing around with cars. Isn't, isn't that all? It's just a bit blokey, isn't it? It's a bit too blokey. And then they, they, they tried to make Richard Hammond something else, like a presenter, and that didn't really work. Oh, and the good news is, Michelle Collins, who yesterday, one of the papers was reporting, is leaving uh, Coronation Street. She said, no, I'm not. I've just signed another contract for a year. Where do these stories start? It's ridiculous, isn't it? So she's staying with them for another year, which means there's, uh, there, 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 there is going to be some... Interesting storylines. Lovely picture as well of uh, Wayne and Colleen. Ah, here they are, the uh, the two chavs. Him with his hair transplant. Doesn't look as good close up. Next thing, I suppose, teeth done now. And still hasn't had a shave and still wearing the same jacket. And her with the Croydon facelift, the hair scraped back. Very bad makeup and another outfit that I've got no idea where she got this one from. But it doesn't look like it's worth threepence, which is a shame. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. We'll have more of that. We'd love to hear from you uh, regarding your dogs and the bicycle rickshaws. Have you been in one recently? How safe did you... How much did it cost? Do they give receipts? Can you pay by credit card? Because they're hoping to licence them, but we've heard this before. So if there's one thing that maybe Boris can do, it's take them off the streets. It takes us a while, but we, we do get there. I'd quite like to see the back of them full stop. 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk or 0845-6060-973. News with Sam at five is next. On FM, online, Alan. Morning, we'll have more from uh, Videl Sassoon just after the news at six. Taken from the uh, In Conversation, which we did. Do you know, for the life of me, I can't even remember what... Oh, there was a film. They were doing a film on television about it. It was a montage of all his, uh, his best stuff. And uh, he talked about London life and how successful the business was. And it, there's no doubt about it. You know, him and Raymond Teasy Weezy were, in fact, you know, of their day, megastars. And still the Videl Sassoon name means something. 
And uh, sad loss there, sad loss at the age of 84. So we'll have, a, we'll have a little bit more from that, just in case you didn't download it from the LBC website. But if you do podcast, go download it now. It's, it's nice. It's nice to hear these people. I've had so many of these sort of interviews over the years. Where, um, you remember we had the, uh, the Dave, uh, Dave Clark uh, one. Was it Dave? Yeah, it was Dave Clark, who, who, who told us, halfway through, completely unbeknownst to me, that he had cancer and that it was terminal. During the interview, and I'm I'm saying, don't you? You'll be back this time next year. You know, you'll be back in again. And he said, yeah, I'd like to think so. And uh, and he didn't. He died about three months after that as well. So um, I don't. It's almost like we we sort of get these people who think, no, if you're old, please please don't do in conversation. <laughs> please don't do it. But he was lovely, absolutely lovely, and uh, and Videl Sassoon as well. So we had a little clip of that just after the news at six o'clock this morning. Today we're talking about um, the. Re- I never understand it how the British public operate. One minute everybody seems perfectly normal, the next minute you seem as balmy as a barrel load of frogs because it's the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and she likes corgis. People now want corgi puppies, so they so they're going to the uh, the websites things like findapuppy.com or whatever it is, and, and they're trying to find out where you can get hold of these puppies. And I'm thinking, why? It's like, you know, all of a sudden Kylie Minogue is famous. People name their children Kylie. Those people name their kids Jason after Jason Donovan because they were both huge at the same time. And then we start having all the funny spellings. And, and, you, and you get people that follow a trend. You know, people would, would take a photograph of Diana into hairdressers, Videl Sassoon's probably, and say, I want that, that hairstyle there. Over the years, there's been lots of celebrity hairstyles. You've probably had them yourself, ladies. You know, the Farrah Fawcett cut. You've had, I mean, there's everything. Every, every time somebody's on there and they have this sort of new look, people go, that's how I want my hair cut. That's what I want it to look like. Uh, do you shop at Clinton's Cards? 8,000 jobs could go as it collapses. It's gone into administration. It is the UK's biggest specialist card retailer. They've got 628 Clintons. Ours, I think, will probably be closing quite soon. You don't see people in there because what you end up with, unlike coffee shops, when we've got them all over the place, we don't normally have card shops. We had Clintons, then Card Factory moved in. And so now we've got Card Factory one side of the road, Clintons the other. Card Factory, I think, is going to close in a matter of days. Hotly followed, I should imagine, by Clintons. And I did get a little bit sad, saying you should really stockpile the cards because they're... They are, they, are, they are going to be really cheap. They're certainly cheap in Card Factory. Ten for a pound or seven for a pound. All right, they're not particularly fancy. It might just say happy birthday on it or something, but that's all you need on a card. How many people sit there studying the picture at the front and going, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Look at that, ducks on a pond. Nobody does that. Nobody bothers looking at things like that. So, you know, you just have a card that says happy birthday, that's all you need, or you send e-cards, which is a lot easier. I suspect most of you probably send e-cards, but occasionally you need a card to give to somebody, if it's a young person who's done something well at school, or you need to put some money in an envelope, then the card comes with the envelope. You just have to try... I mean, some of the cards are ghastly in these places. They really are awful. So, as I advised you to stock up on stamps... To save yourself a bit of money, 13p per stamp, which adds up if you send a lot. I'm advising you to stock up on birthday cards. Not Christmas cards, but no doubt they will be flogging those off as well. Because when you think about it, there must be warehouses full of stuff. If they've got 628 shops, they must have a warehouse full of cards, which they're going to have to get rid of. They're not going to pulp them, are they? They're probably going to sell them out to newsagents and estate. Because I think in Clinton's, it might say Clinton's on all the cards. So I don't know what you do with them. Perhaps they're going to start appearing on websites, you know, quickly, you know, pick up these things while they're available. 0845 if, you, if you're addicted to buying in these, in these shops and wouldn't think of going anywhere else, but you can go to the, uh, all the, uh, the corner shops, you can go to the charity shops, all the supermarkets. It's excellent. Uh, 84850, Mark says, 
I have an idea to publish a book investigating authors with unnatural and obsessive infatuations in the royal family. Could be a bestseller. More allegations, the better. Um, uh, I, for one, see, will not be buying this book. That's, uh, poor Diana was a sensitive soul. Well, she was. I mean, listen, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, as in the case of any of these people, that everybody's 100% normal and straight down the line. None of you know what it is like to be in the, uh, in the media, to be pursued like she was pursued, as, as, uh, as her brother said. She was pursued relentlessly by the media wherever she went, where, whatever she did. They had long-range cameras. She didn't have a private life. None of us know exactly what it's like to have to put up with that kind of pressure. And that's why it's, uh, it, it was a bit of a problem. Small wonder the girl, if, if anything, probably did eventually lose touch with reality. Because she probably thought she had no friends, which of course was quite right. All her friends were outside of the royal family. I don't think she had anybody else in the royal family apart from the Queen Mother. The rest of them, you're expected to make your own way. That's why it's, it's, it's almost surprising that Charles's boys have turned out as relatively normal, although they appear to be doing a very good PR job with Harry at the moment, but uh, relatively normal so that they, they can have normal lives. But uh, we, we, we've said before, the press need to back off Kate a little bit. Just leave her alone a little bit. Let them have a normal life, because the more they keep hounding her, eventually she will snap, and then they say, oh, look, she did this, and did, she did that, and all the rest of it. Uh, my grandkids, says Jenny, make me birthday and Christmas cards on my last birthday. I'll be age six, had me a handmade card, but had another in his hand, only say this one is when you're dead, Nana. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? How useful. Yes, we don't, do we send sympathy cards? Of course we do. Of course we do. Uh, 84850 Steve at uh, lbc.co.uk. Penny Jr. is quite right. Anybody who throw them, throws themselves down the stairs must be unhinged. Why would you think that? Why would you think that, Andrew, from Beckenham? Just because somebody throws... You never, have, you, have you heard of depression? Why would it have to be somebody who's unhinged? You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's, you know, it's a case of... You know, she probably was suffering from a little bit of depression. She probably didn't think she had anybody to turn to, nobody to talk to. She couldn't trust her husband. There was nobody she could trust at all. She was probably seeking solace. It was small wonder she listened to LBC all the time. She was a regular to my, uh, my, uh, my overnight programme on LBC. I can say that now because she's not here, you see, and so it's quite easy to say that. Because it's not going to make the slightest difference to anybody at all. Uh, you know, whether or not Diana listened to this programme or she didn't. I think she used to phone in under another name. Enid or something like that. Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. And then there's Britain's Got Talent. Now, I don't know if you've been watching it, but up popped the other night a little boy band called Lovable Rogues. And I thought, OK, they're very good. They're almost a bit too good for this. Simon Cowell has obviously got them signed up to Psycho immediately. I suspect there's an album which will be out before Christmas. Because they fit the stereotype. There's a black guy with glasses. Makes him look a little bit like Joe 90, which is quite cool. And then they've got a guy who's slightly tubby and overweight who obviously writes the songs. And then they've got the cute, pretty one who might or might not be gay. OK, so there's something for everybody in this little group. But th- th- there's no doubt about it. They're actually very good. But everybody's now saying it's a fiddle. Because they were hand-picked to go onto the programme. They didn't have to go through the process. And Simon raved over them so much, you think, I know that you're going to bring an album out with them. There's no way you're not. Because all Simon's looking for... I mean, they will only have the one album, and then presumably they'll just go back to busking. But they've said in the, in the papers today that they've been around for 18 months and they've honed their act. And they're very good. They're very good. The song was very catchy. They wrote it themselves, so Simon was quite impressed, which is unusual because he doesn't like people who write their own songs because they, they, they don't make as much money. So I thought then they were a little bit contrived, but good. They were good. 
And, uh, and that was great. I can't stand... Who's the girl on the panel of Britain's Got Talent? You've got Amanda Holden. You've got David Walliams, who's definitely unhinged. He's not right. Is it Alicia Dixon? Oh, she's awful. She's so awful. She can't commit to anything. She has to sort of hedge her bets on everything. Dreadful. Oh, they're feuding her and Amanda. Oh, well, I like that idea because I've warmed to Amanda immensely because Amanda just looks the part now. Sometimes she does her hair and I think, God, you must be really pleased with the way that's been. That's turned out. But uh, do, do you get the impression that David Walliams is not all there? There's something about him which is a bit... You don't want to meet him in a dark alley on a dark night when there's no lights on. He's a bit scary, I think. A little bit frightening. But now they're, they're talking about the auditions are a fix. And, of course, they are because they want people to go through. I, th- I thought we'd already decided it. I thought we'd already picked the dog. Or was that just part of it? They've also got a, a group called Only Boys Allowed, which is lovely. But the, but the other little group will do very well. They'll pop up on the television. They'll have a hit album at Christmas. And then you won't hear from them ever again, I'm afraid. <laughs> ever again. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, it looks very likely that we are actually going to get rid of uh, Abu Qatada. Might take a few more months. I love the picture of him smiling in the paper today. On the other side of your face shortly. You know, why we never got rid of him ages ago, I've got no idea. You know, he hates this country, he hates us, he hates everything about it. But he's more than happy to, to, to sort of take all the benefits and everything else. So the sooner we actually kick him out, the better. It's, I'm just amazed in this country. It takes us such a long time. We are just so slow. So, so slow. Another, another benefit fraudster in the paper today. This is a, a lottery winner who scooped half a million pounds. Half a million pounds. How lovely. And has admitted fiddling thousands in benefits. It's a news agent, Hayley Tarry. And Hayley comes, uh, who lives in Munich, but used to live in uh, Lancashire, pleaded guilty to claiming £10,000 in job seekers' allowance and council tax benefits she was not entitled to. She'll be sentenced at a later date. I think prison, ladies and gentlemen. I think prison for that, uh, for that woman there. Uh, if you shop in Clinton's, if you do send cards, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, you just go somewhere else, won't you? I'm assuming that's the way forward. You don't have to go to a card shop. doesn't make any difference. And they are, they are quite a lot of money. And Natasha Giggs... You remember Natasha Giggs? No, that show business. We've forgotten about her already, haven't we? And uh, she has unleashed her guard dog on two raiders who tried to break into her house. Uh, Natasha, who's, let's just call her very ordinary, uh, has a dog now, spotted two intruders. They fled after she sent out her fearsome dog to confront them. And she has now said, she's tweeted, had to stop the dog from eating two intruders. Next time, I won't stop him. And she said here that uh, I will set the dogs on anybody who comes near me. Unfortunately, you won't, silly girl, because if you do, you'll be going to prison. OK, you don't set dogs on people. It isn't how it works at all. But uh, you remember Natasha, a former estate agent from Manchester, and now just very plain and ordinary, I'm afraid, and quite boring. But uh, at least she's got a very fearsome dog. But set it on people, dear. You'll be the one facing the court. OK, just like I tell you that now in case you weren't bright enough to realise. Quarter past five. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Unions say up to 400... Morning, 18 minutes past five. Thursday morning in London town. It's May 10 and it's wet. There you go. Just I surprised you today. You were, you were hoping I was going to say it's an absolutely fantastic day with blazing sunshine and, and, and it's not, I'm afraid. Chelsea Healy is going to quit the school drama after six years. She was runner-up on Strictly Come Dancing. She told bosses she wants to try new projects. I'd imagine. Apparently, she's been tweeting, going, oh, it's all really exciting. I thought, oh, not another reality show, please, God. We can live without something like that. Uh, We're talking today about uh, the rickshaws in London and the fact that they're hoping... 
This is about the umpteenth. I've lost track of this story when it first um, first originated. And it was people saying that they need licensing. There needs to be some sort of licensing for them brought in, in the same way that you've got taxis and minicabs. And they put a new thing in the back of taxis now. It's a little card in the back of a, a black taxi showing you it's got a number. Minicabs have the thing on the front and the and the back, but the, the taxis have got this new thing actually in the back window, which I've noticed over the past couple of months. But I'm sure that... Um, all the guys who drive the black cabs would be more than happy to see the pedicabs licence or failing that removed from the streets. You know, it's, 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 uh, which is very interesting. Could be subject to the same safety and driver training requirements as taxis. Under the proposals, a new peak time taxi licence could be brought in and exemptions from licensing for wedding and funeral cars could be removed from legislation with decisions over whether they would need licences passing to ministers. Taxi numbers would no longer be restricted by local authorities. Ah, uh, Jan says, a few months ago I sent you a text saying how useless I thought Alicia was, and I was glad she was leaving Strictly. You said you quite liked her, now you say you don't. How fickle you are, yeah? So I've changed my mind. Grow up. You're in Dunstable, it's not your fault. You know, sometimes you like somebody, sometimes you don't like somebody. You know, I mean, surely even you can understand that. And I was, and you were, and she said, and I was glad she was leaving Strictly. You said, I said I quite liked her, now I don't like her. So... Oh, blimey, you need to get a life. Get out, take some more tablets. Make it a lot easier for yourself. Uh, one here says, uh, why has Nicky Clark come out as a close friend after Videl Sassoon has left us? <laughs> um, because I think Nicky Clark used to work for Videl Sassoon, if memory serves me. And, uh, and also, hairdressers do, do talk to each other. They really do. I mean, Nicky Clark, I would think in most people's minds, that would be a celebrity hairdresser. Would you not think so? Nicky Clark would... Let's face it, he does Nick Ferrari's hair. He's got to be a celebrity hairdresser. Nick Ferrari's got all sorts of bits done in and extensions and stuff. You know, I mean, I don't know what he's got to put in his hair. But, uh, oh, yes, Nicky, Nicky Clark, definitely a celebrity hairdresser. And he would, de- he would describe... In fact, I think, actually, I have a feeling that when I talked to Videl, he was going off to see Nicky. I'm pretty certain they were doing lunch or something like that. So he would, he would be a friend. He would be a friend. You know, like if certain people in the business died, they'd be contacting me going, you know, you were a friend of them. and say, well, you yeah, know, sort of, but I can certainly comment on them. Mark the bailiff's up early this morning, which means somebody's about to have their car repossessed, which always puts a smile on our face, I'm afraid. I only have to say that because there's so many people driving illegal cars at the moment. I love it whenever the, the police get, uh, get hold of them. Uh, Judith says, if, as you say, Diana had no one to turn to, where were her own family? Well, where were her own family? I mean, that's a very good question. Her caring brother and sisters. I do believe she was damaged, but unhinged is rather strong. She certainly needed help that Charles was incapable of giving. Oh, so, listen, if you move into the royal family, we've explained time and time again that you're moving into a different way of life. They have palace life, and then they have outside life. And I said before, years ago, I said it 30 years ago, if somebody from an outside life moves into the palace, and Diana had what they call a relatively normal life, she was working as a nanny, you know, she did go about her day-to-day job, she was able to walk through Knightsbridge and do all the shopping. The moment it was announced that she was seeing Charles, because he'd seen her in a field, and she was a pretty little thing at 16, you know, and even though she had an older sister, Diana was, was, was definitely the pretty one, and then Charles decided, because they were looking for, you know, somebody to marry Charles, he was getting on a bit, by this time, and uh, he'd been out with a number of people, but they were looking for, you know, somebody who was going to produce children, heir and a spare, as they say, and Diana happened to fit the bill. Unfortunately, she was probably naive and thought that, you know, if you went out with somebody, then they, they must love you. Charles's love, unfortunately, was elsewhere. It was w- with the Audrey Roberts lookalike woman uh, who he ended up marrying, and he's probably much happier now than he ever was. So in, in those sort of circles, it's quite normal to have the wife 
and then the person you're having an affair with. That's that's considered quite normal. So, or, uh, Audrey. Uh, unfortunately, Camilla was, was married to Andrew Parker Bowles at the time. And I do believe that within the palace, I mean, who could Diana talk to? She would have been quite happy, had she been at Althrop, to talk to the, the servants there. At, um, at Buckingham Palace and anywhere else, they wouldn't be talking to her. They would just say, yes, ma'am, and they would leave the room. So she had nobody to talk to. I don't think so. And also, your brothers and sisters. Once you move into that family, you can't just carry on where you're left off. You cannot carry on with the life you had beforehand. It sounds b- bizarre, but that's the way that they live, I'm afraid. Uh, Gaz says, shame about Clinton cards going to administration. However, uh, on the upside, the staff will get a nice sorry-you're-leaving card. Which is quite nice, isn't it? I shouldn't imagine so. They'll probably be, ch- probably be charging them for it. We do buy cards. I'm advising people to go and buy as many cards as possible. Weather for today, in case you've just woken up. Windy. Rain or showers. The showers could turn heavy and thundery this afternoon, especially to the south of London. Sorry, to the south of London. Uh, maximum 17 degrees, currently 16 tonight. Generally cloudy and breezy. More outbreaks of showery rain. Most places becoming dry towards the end of the night. Minimum 11 tomorrow. Dry and bright start. Few showers likely to develop during the afternoon. Most places staying dry, but it will feel cooler. The high 16 degrees centigrade. And Saturday and Sunday, fine weekend. Light winds and some sunshine, which is good so far. No mention of rain. But don't speak too soon, because come Monday, wet and windy weather returns, but it should clear up by the afternoon. You have been warned, as they say. So we're talking about the bicycle rickshaws. Everybody keeps saying, and they've said over the years, we're definitely going to, uh, definitely going to licence them and do something. Well, I can't see them ever managing it. They have managed to get the ghastly hot dogs off the street and the people selling the hot chestnuts and stuff like that. How on earth are they going to clear rickshaws off the street, or the pedicabs, as they call them? I've got no idea. I don't know how they're going to manage that at all. The Queen's favourite dog is now getting a boost in popularity now that it's her Diamond Jubilee. Lots of people apparently want corgis. I don't know why. Nasty, snappy little things. Not even attractive dogs, are they? There's much more attractive dogs out there. And uh, Clinton Cards, the latest casualty of the high street spending slump. 8,000 jobs on the line there. Uh, they've made about £130 million losses since 2004. Now, whether it needs saving, I don't know. And what did you have for, for school lunch? I only ask because there's a, a woman here, a girl actually, I do beg her pardon, she's nine, and she's taken pictures of her school lunch, and she's been sending them to a, to a website. Yesterday she chalked up 40,000 hits, and, and she said, uh, I want to know exactly what you think about this as my lunch. And in it, this is her school dinner, and it looks to, I don't know what it is actually, there's an ice lolly, three bits of cucumber... Um, it looks like a beef burger and two potato croquettes, and that's it. I mean, it does look, it does look pretty poor, I'm afraid. It really does look poor. And uh, she's been photographing, with permission from the teachers, these £2... Because they're obviously working on a budget of two quid, and that's what she does. She says here, I'm, I'm a growing kid, and I need to concentrate all afternoon. I can't do it on one croquette. Do you think you could do it better? And she says, I wanted ice cream, but I got an ice lolly. And the other thing she says is, the pizza was all right, but she said there's not enough of it. And she's having a growing put. She's nine. Can you imagine what troublemaker she's going to be the time she gets to 11? Already she's writing on the internet at nine and saying things like, um, sorry, Dave D, not Dave Clark. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much indeed. It was Dave Clark. Yes, exactly. Dave Clark won't be very happy that I've killed him off. They won't be, actually. <laughs> Poor soul. No, Dave D. God, uh, I'm glad to so. see. You're the first one who picked it up, though. Dave D of Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch. Dave Clark, of course, Dave Clark 5. Thank you. 
That's my first mistake of the day. First mistake, and it's a Thursday, which I don't mind. So, were your school meal shockers? Imagine taking pictures. I thought we did all right. Now it's served in what, what looks like airline trays. And, and, that, and it doesn't look... I mean, three bits of cucumber's not exactly going to feed you. But she's only nine. You'd have thought she'd have liked a nice lolly. Would you not think so? And I do feel a bit of sympathy. If you live near a kid's playground, there's a man here... Uh, and he's he's a retired Concorde pilot, and they've got a playground very near him. He said, but it attracts a lot of fat women from Bracknell who sit there and don't supervise the kids, probably the fags on, and they've medis- registered the um, the screaming of the children because they do scream up to seventy seven decibels. And he and his wife uh, want Winkfield Council to shut the playground. Now, last year they spent one hundred and fifty thousand pounds adding play equipment. And to be honest with you, we, we, we had this short while ago. Remember I told you we had the, one of the uh, 12-year-olds where I live had a party and the screaming girls, I mean, literally high-pitched, shut up, shut up. And I, I feel a bit sorry for him, but the trouble is, if you live near a playground, over the years, people have actually got worse. They have got worse. And in fact, the shrieking playground uh, on, the, on the loud league is only just underneath that of uh, a vacuum cleaner. A large orchestra or Concorde taking off. Because it comes in, I think, at about uh, 79 decibels. Concorde taking off is 110 decibels. So uh, you have been... I feel a bit sorry for him living near it. The council spent all this money thinking they were doing the right thing, little realising that this man's around the corner and he's off to court. In fact, he's in court at the moment to say to him, listen, you've got to close it down. We, We don't want this screaming all the time. Because at the moment, it's like that. But then, of course, at night time, playgrounds take on a sinister air, don't they? And you get the local kids who hang around there drinking and smoking and stuff like that. So it's, it, it, he probably isn't best pleased, poor soul. He's actually 67 and his wife is 51 and they want the playground shut. I have a horrible feeling it won't, it won't actually close. But, uh, but they might try and do something about it, like sort of send somebody round and you know, just make sure that nobody's screaming their heads off. Uh, fathers look set to be given additional rights to see their children after family breakup or divorce, as long as it's in the child's best interest. And I wonder um, who'll be able to decide if a father seeing his child is in the child's best interest. You have to ask the child, you think. Do you want to see your father? No. OK, fine. And that'll be it. Because it, it does tear families apart, I'm afraid. It does become immensely difficult. So we'll talk about that after the news, which is coming up next. It's LBC 97.3. More for the uh, the papers as well. And uh, and the Britain's Got Talent, where they've got the boys in, who the moment Simon Cowell raved about them, I thought, they've seen you before, you're going to have a contract, you'll have a single out, it's, and probably an album as well, which, in fact, Simon hinted at the other day. It's LBC 97.3. Morning! 27 minutes to 6, Thursday morning, in London town. I like the idea that the fuel prices is dropping, in fact, now that the, the big supermarkets have started uh, their price war again, I'm very happy. Hopefully it'll push all the other people into reducing. And now it's, it's fallen 2p. And I think yesterday I paid 46.9, which I mean, I might as well say it's 47. But at least it seemed a bit cheaper than it was a short while ago. Peter says, Steve, it must be recognised that the black cab trade is vehemently opposed to all forms of competition. The plan for private hire must be uh, uh, to be available at Heathrow was blocked. That thorn in their side, Addison Lee, were at the heart of that plan. Now pedicabs to repose. I have a large number of photographs of black cabs breaking traffic laws. Yet cabbies call LBC and claim to be professional drivers. Well, I mean, I mean they're, they're professional drivers in so much as they drive for a living. In the same way that, I mean, I would consider myself 
a driver. I'm not a professional driver because I don't I don't drive to make my money. But there's but there's lots of people who do. I was mini cab drivers. I mean anybody like that could be classed as a professional driver. You would have somebody who drives a coach, somebody who drives a lorry, somebody who drives a pickup. Anything like that would be professional drivers. And I, I can quite understand that the that the black cab trade want to protect what they've got. I I do my my only argument comes when I say you don't need to do the knowledge now. We've got sat navs. You know, you don't need to know little back alleys and everything else because it's not in the cab's best interest to use the shortcuts. The moment somebody's in the back of the cab, they, they can then sit back and whistle zippity doodah because that's how they're making their money. You know, if they sit... I mean, I've, we, we've all said it, haven't we? The amount of times you've sat in the back of a cab and you go, do you think we could go around somewhere we've been sitting here for ten minutes now? You know, they go, oh, right, OK. Because it doesn't, doesn't bother them. Yeah, but you get good and bad in everything. So I, I understand exactly where, where you're coming from, but nobody wants competition. You know, if, if somebody opened up a, another radio station and put on a programme similar to this, which, of course, they wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, then I, I would go, that's a bit of competition. But luckily, we're that confident, we don't need to worry about it. So it's, it's quite interesting. I've always found Clinton cards, says Andy, a bit, on the, um, a bit on the pricey side. I now buy my cards on the internet. Cheaper and a greater choice, especially if you want something saucy for that special friend. Uh, have you noticed the new suit colour worn by Simon Cowell? Well, I was, I was more horrified yesterday to report on the programme that he didn't use Botox. He's using this very expensive cream where the water is taken from under the ocean. And it's something like 250 quid a pot or something. And I thought, he does look to me a little bit stretched. It does, can't help being a bit stretched, but he does look a little bit stretched. Worst school dinner for Noreen? Cheese, pine, pink custard. Well, not together, I hope. Liver and semolina. Ugh, I really eat them. It's put me off liver for decades. Isn't it strange? I don't remember cheese pie, but I, we all remember pink custard, because pink custard used to get chocolate custard as well. And what was the other one? They did pink custard, chocolate custard, and normal custard. But if it came with a skin on it, that was it. I had to sort of, ugh, I hate skin on custard. Funny enough, you don't get that now, do you? Probably doesn't sit there long enough. And liver and semolina. Semolina we hated. I absolutely loathe semolina with a passion. In fact, it, I mean, oh, it's just disgusting. But liver, I loved. I love. And I realise some people now, it's a bit Marmite, isn't it? You either love liver or you don't like liver. And uh, luckily for me, I'm one of those who absolutely adores it. So I, I can eat liver till the cows come home, which is good. Uh, Steve, was the school there when he moved in? If he was a Concorde pilot, he should be used to noise, says Stevie. Uh, well, it, it isn't a school. It's just, it's a playground. It's a playground, and it, it isn't... A, there might be a school around there, but that's got nothing to do with it. This is all to do with the, with the noise of the kids playing there and the mums who take them there. There doesn't appear to be a school anywhere near there, and they, they want the council to do it. The park uh, was attracting children from outside the area who were too loud, and yesterday said the type of noise we've experienced is that of small children screaming and shrieking with excitement, and also kids, you know, are called by their parents. But you get that, unfortunately. You do get that the average noise in the garden was 57.1 decibels, with peaks up to 77 decibels from children's shouts. I can understand it. He, he uh, and his wife, who've been backed by Sky News sports presenter Chris Scudder, whose house also borders the field, are all sort of saying it's too noisy. Unfortunately, where you've got something like that, you're going to hear people screaming. Kids scream, they get very excited. They can't help it. And Jill says, we've uh, sold up and moved... From a playground, Steve. The noise was dreadful. We had to keep our windows shut. We're next to a churchyard now. Yes, I always think that's quite... If you want something really, really quiet, uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Live near a graveyard, which is better. Uh, rickshaws get through a loophole which calls them carriage men. This means that they can pick up customers 
Who makes sure they pay national insurance and tax? You're not insured if you have an accident one. Keep up the good work, says Wayne. Uh, Steve, you're wrong. Diana was never a nanny. She worked at a preschool nursery. Not not the same thing at all, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, I don't know. I think it's roughly the same thing. I think, I think if you looked at definition of nanny, you'd be all right. I think that's OK. I think that's just being nitpicking. You know, you're obviously a very small person, obviously, you know, with some huge chip on your shoulder, if you think, you know, working with preschool children and a nanny isn't similar. It is actually working with little children. That's called nannying them. I don't know whether or not it isn't in your book, but quite clearly not. Never mind. Steve, you actually lose money when sitting in traffic. The metre ticks over slower. With regards to the knowledge, most people still only give you the names of pubs and restaurants. Very hardly the street name. Mike, stop it. Stop it now. Getting defensive. <laughs> Simon Cowell signed the Lovable Rogues four months ago. Well, I'm not surprised. They're very good. They're very good. They're very personable. Uh, you know, you can see the, the cheesy pictures. You can see the outfits that they're going to put them in. You can see everything. So Simon Cowell sees pound signs. What he sees is he sees, can I make money out of this group? Yes. So we'll bring out an album full of those kind of, you know sort of songs, sort of boppy sort of songs. They're not, they're not, you know, they're, they're never going to break hearts on the internet or on, on the charts, but they're sort of, you know, three boys who sort of play a little guitar and sing and do wop and all the rest of it and sort of kind of rap. I thought they were okay, actually. I didn't, I thought the song was actually quite good. Didn't actually make any sense, the song at all. Didn't rhyme or do anything like that. It wasn't like one of Mike Dennis's poems or anything like that, but it was, it was okay. They were fine for what they were. They, 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 you know, for what they were, which was, you know, average on that programme. And the moment they brought on the contortionists, they've done what I said they did. They've trawled European circuses to find acts that they can put on there to pad out a very small programme. So you have a few people on there and a few people who aren't very good. And then you have a couple of people, probably one, who is actually good enough to get through. The rest of them are just fodder, as we call it. They're, they're just there to pad out the programme. Do you live near a children's playground? Are they really that noisy? You, I mean, if you do, you've probably got kids, so it doesn't bother you, does it? Kids screaming. Doesn't really doesn't make any difference nowadays. It drives me mad. <laughs> Having said that, I did shout at the girls the other day. Shut up! Some of us are trying to go to bed here and sleep. <laughs> Be quiet, because they do. So I don't know why they scream. They, the, there's no there's no real reason, is there? They just they just scream. <laughs> eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, I love liver too, Steve. I like mine cooked in the bacon and onion fat. Uh, I will. I just I just have. Liver. I don't know. My mother used to cook liver. And uh, it used to be crispy around the edges. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, dear me. It was so good. Mashed potato with it. Onion gravy and a bit of bacon. If ever I'm eating out at Joe Allen's, that's what I have. If liver's on the menu, that's for me. But I have to ask for it to be cremated because they, 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 don't, they don't cook it the way I like it, I'm afraid. I do like, I do like a bit of cremated liver. It's the way I love it. Cooked in, uh, in sort of fat. I suppose it's cooked in fat. I don't know. But dipped in flour, I think, or something like that. Uh, other stories of the papers, I do love this one. It's the, um, it's a story, it, it doesn't actually come from this country. It's, it's a boy racer who lived in a little village in Poland, and the neighbours got so fed up with him, so fed up with him. He would drive around, you know, beep, 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 beep. And so what they did, one night when he parked his car up, they brought it a crane, and they've lifted it and put it at the top of a tree. And so this car is now resting at the top of a tree, uh, shocked Mr. Philo, who's 24, woke up to find his souped-up Ford Escort perched in a willow tree as neighbours accused him of being a danger. Apparently, a mobile crane was borrowed. They're not saying who actually did it, but they put it up there. He can't get it down. Shamefaced Philo says, I get the message, but I think it was a bit harsh. Police have told him he's responsible for moving his vehicle. So he's, he's now got to go and get another crane out um, 
and try and lift it down off the tree. But it's quite high up. It's a good, you know, 40 feet up in the air. Brilliant, isn't it? I love stuff like that. I love stuff like that. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 84850, steve at Um Another one here. This is, uh, this, is, this is Jane, who says, My boy has started uh, a new-built haberdasher school, very strict. And uh, she says, Happy songs, which, clearly, which you clearly are not, have another moan. You on tablets or something? What are, you, are you what? You on something? Happy, what's she on about? She writing to the wrong person, <laughs> poor soul. I don't know, dear. We don't know. Uh, Steve, you said you could eat liver till the cows come home. Well, as well as the liver comes from calves, then cows won't be coming home. They will because the calves follow the cows. Never wrong. Don't even question it. Makes you look silly. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. Wayne was out the other day. Wayne and uh, Colleen watching their horse. You know, he's bought a horse. Unfortunately, he knows nothing about horses, and his came in last. And uh, so it's back to the stables, and they'll have to think again. Picture of uh, Jonathan Antoine size made his school days a misery. And this is the uh, the young man. He was he was fat as a child. He's fat now. He's only seventeen. He's enormous. And so they've said, don't worry. Other overweight singing heroes: Mama Cass, Demis Roussos, Luther Vandross, Barry White. Yes, they're all dead. Okay, they're all dead. They were all very fat, and they're all dead. This boy for seventeen. He might have a great voice, but he needs to lose a lot of weight. You know, with help, he can do that. They say it's a bigger man than his bullies. Everybody got bullied at school. Everybody got bullied at school. You know, tall, fat, thin, specky four eyes, freckles, to oh, everything. I mean, just everything. There was nothing. And so here he is now, and um, and he might win because he's got a great voice. But they're going to need to... I mean, Paul Potts had his teeth done, and they sort of shoved him out there in the real world. They can probably do the same with this with this Jonathan bloke here. I mean, he has got a, a great voice. Cowell says, uh, you're like a young Pavarotti. No, he's nothing like a young Pavarotti. These people are... The, these are these are local people. It's like saying Susan Boyle really has got a great voice. She hasn't. She's good, but she's not great. OK. Uh, one thing that may be missed about Clinton, Steve, are their audio cards. Oh, that's right. This is where they're... But they're, they're sound-alikes, aren't they? They're not... Um, it's not really Michael Caine talking to you. It's a, it's a sound-alike. I think it says on the back who the person is or who the, who the company is that they get them from. Because it, it definitely... I don't think Michael Caine would sit down and record a card saying, I only told you to blow the bloody doors off. I don't think Michael Caine would sit down and do that. Jan says, I'm sad about Vizel Sassoon. First went to his salon in New Bond Street in 67 for a geometric cut. It was the only cut that ever controlled my unruly curls. I've also just returned from India. Where did I go in a couple of cycle rickshaws? The very Marigold Hotel in Jaipur. Our poor rider had to get off and push the rickshaw up a hill. Very funny. So hello to fellow crumblies and uh, Facebookers as well. Uh, Karen says, have you noticed Simon Cowell really struggles to turn his neck in David Williams' direction? Plus, his eye on the left side has a droopy eye. Is he overdoing the creams? I don't know. I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I mean to be honest with you, I, I do think... David Walliams, unfortunately, is just potty mouth. I know it's awful to say, but he came up with double entendres the other day in front of Stephen Mulhern, who, who really... We, we don't want to hear this kind of thing on television. I don't want rudeness, I'm afraid. It's television. Young people could be watching. News headlines, and it's Rupert, uh, sorry, Sam Pittis this morning. Yes, it is. Thank you, Steve. Up to 400,000. 12 minutes to six. Uh, Andy remembers Gypsy Tart. Gypsy, it sounds like a sort of, you know, uh, somebody who reads tea leaves, doesn't it, really? Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Gypsy Tart. I don't remember what Gypsy Tart was. He said, we got it at school with a slice of apple. 
I think it came from Kent. We were talking about school dinners earlier on, and this nine-year-old who's taken photographs of all her school dinners and put them up on the website going, I can't eat this. I'm a growing nine-year-old. I'm not going to be big and strong. But Gypsy Tart, whatever it was, it was all made big, wasn't it? They made it in trays. It was what? Pie with evaporated milk. Oh, and sugar. It's all we seem to have at school, wasn't it? Sugar. Adam! Uh, morning to you. Morning. My name is uh, uh, Adam Blakely. Mm-hmm. My, my psychic name, I'm known as Adam and Eve. All right. Adam and Eve. As in, you can't believe okay. it. Well, you will believe it, but it always turns out to be true. Right. I can predict the future for me and you, or anybody. Right. Depending on what they want to know. Okay. Can you, do, can you do lottery numbers? Uh, no. No. I can work out numbers. Yeah. Well, we could all the work out numbers. Was, yes, but there are some lucky numbers and some unlucky numbers, mm. depending on how the cards fall. So, right. yeah, so there is something. Oh, so you do, 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 you do tarot, then? Um, tarot cards are derivative of numbers, but more I would normally be able to tell on, on normal playing cards. Right, okay. Tarot cards is an, is an interpretation that... So, in other words, you, you, you would give me a deck of cards, I would shuffle the deck of cards and deal out six? Yes, I could tell you by your numbers what right. happen. But what happens I is, if, if I then put those cards back in a pack and I deal them again, I'm going to get different numbers, aren't I? Um, because you'll ask yourself different questions. Once you've been given an answer to one, you don't need to, to answer it again. Mm. You ask yourself a different question. Because most people go, 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 go to people like you because they ask a question. It's normally health or it's to do with money or it's to do with um, a relationship, isn't it? It's to, to do with what, what they worry. Mm. It comes down to that. And the no main thing would be what? No one ever comes to see me happy. No. Every person without exception comes to see me and, and they're sad. Yeah. They want to know how to get out of the problem they're in. The reason I have the gift of doing this, it, it goes a long way back in history, um, from, a, from a family of um, McCarthy Gypsy, which is like a Gypsy royalty, I suppose. So they're blessed with the gift for doing that. Mm. Also, and... the Romany, the Romany League family, as well. Mm. Not, not all. Um, like, not, not all psychics or travellers can predict future. Some, some pretend to be. There are pretenders. Mm. But there are a few that are into the royalty of predicting the future for ye. Hmm. That is quite correct. And, and, and travellers do this as well, do they? Um, when you say travellers, I mean Romany. Right, OK, Romany. yeah. Not, not all Romany. Made, made a difference but, but there people. is a reason why you've got Gypsy Rose Lee. Hmm. That is the Lee family. That is the, the English Romany. And Gypsy Rose Lee, yes, it, 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 they are one of the families that are, are renowned for being able to to tell the future. Mm. You could meet a gypsy, but, but not be a Lee, it would not be able to tell your future. You could meet a, a McCarthy, a McCarthy mm. like me, and I can do the same. So there's obviously enough, enough people out there who actually want to believe, isn't there, really, for it to make it a living for you? It's, um, it's not wanting to believe, and it's not really, it's not that I want to make it a living at all. It is, I just have the gift for it, that's all. Right. It's, you know, I would sometimes rather, to be quite honest with you, much, much rather not have it, because often what I see is not very good at all. Mm. At all. 
Yeah. Right. But we all have that ability, don't we? We all have that ability to sort of... You, you can look at somebody and you can tell something about them. You look at somebody standing at a bus stop, I can tell you... I, c- I could do enough on them to make it believable to them that they would think I knew something about them. Whereas, in fact, I don't. It's just... It's what, it's, it's what they call a gut reaction, isn't it? Um, no. No. I can precisely predict the future sometimes. Mm. I can sometimes tell whether they're going to live or die. I sometimes look at people I've known that they're going to die within two years. But you can't tell them that. Um, I, there's nothing I can do. No. Um, but I can foretell them, yes. I mm. can tell them to get prepared in a subtle way. Because we used to do it on LBC years ago. We used to do psychics on... Clive Bull used to have a, a raft of psychics on there. But it had to be sold as an entertainment. It couldn't be sold as um, anything else. It only had to be done as, as an entertainment for people. Well, that, that's a very clever way of putting it, because you have to understand, Stephen, mm. um, life is one big game. Mm. It is played on the cards and the numbers. Mm. Life is ordained on, on the fall of the number. God above... Uh, they do enjoy to gamble. They gamble with our lives. We're given a choice, to good or bad. And depending on what we do, hmm. the consequences spark of reaction. Some could go to war hmm. with the numbers. And the power above, which we call it an energy, hmm. is well aware that this person now has got a choice. They're going to go to war or they're not. Yes. So, in other words, I mean, I I suppose, really, if if somebody came to you and said, listen, I'm thinking of going to New York today, and you go, don't fly, people would then take that as gospel and not fly. Whereas I would sort of think, no, I'll make up my my own mind on something. If something happens, I I think it's going to happen anyway. You know, I'm just as likely to walk out of here and be run over on this road at the back as I am to sort of fall under the wheels of a bus or to smash my car into the back of somebody else on the weekend. There'll always be people who want to believe... And there'll always be people who are sceptics. It's, it's always been that since time immemorial. And there's always been people, you know, going back to the Egyptians who've claimed that they can, they can read the future. I don't think anybody can, can predict the future at all. I think people could take a rough guess and say that, you know, I think, the, you know, if, if you get mathematicians or economists in the city, people could say, I think the economy is going to be here in a few years' time. That's not actually making a prediction. That's working it out by, by the information that you are given. You know, I, I, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people listening to you who would have thought you didn't sound very believable at all. It sounded like a load of old mumbo jumbo, a load of old lots of words, but very little action. And there might be somebody else listening who thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. You're, you're, you're never going to get a bit, like, a bit like a jury. You know, if you had a jury of a thousand people to get them all to agree would be quite difficult. Jury of 12, it's a lot easier. Don't have to convince so many people. But I, I think there would be people who would be fairly split on what they heard you saying. You know, it's all the numbers and it's all this and it, it's your destiny. And if I saw somebody who was going to die, then I could prepare them for it. Then I, I, I think that, that would be quite interesting. But I've, I've, I've done it so much over the years. Clive Bull is, is the expert on it. He's, he's absolutely expert. I think he's had more psychics on his programmes than everybody. You might want to ask him about it this weekend because I think he has done it more than, more than anybody else. He's had them all on there from, uh, from Christian Dion to, I can't remember the name of half of them, but uh, all sold as an entertainment. Pete in Liverpool says, you see, this geezer gives me the creeps. You see, this is, this is interesting. That's why I said people are going to be firm, firmly divided, I think. Uh, Gypsy Tart is made using condensed milk and brown sugar, Steve. Very sticky. I remember br- school mousse. Being a clever lady, mum gave up office work while we were at school and worked as a dinner lady, which means we now have all the school dinner recipes. Oh, lovely. We liked... What was the one we liked, which was just batter and sausages? I quite liked that, actually. That was quite... Toad in the hole. That was, that was quite, uh, quite nice. 
Stephen Arlington says, who took this bloke off his medicine? He said, I knew, I knew you'd, it, would, it would provoke reactions like that. Um, 84850. Barbara says, usually agree with you, but um, uh, if you were on your own and a robber came into your home holding a knife, you'd be glad of a dog to chase them out. Uh, you wouldn't tell the dog to lick them now, would you? No, but the trouble is, as you probably know, Barbara, if your dog attacks somebody in your property, that person can take you to court. You know, because they haven't actually... Somebody can say to you, I'm going to do this to you, Barbara. I'm going to do this to you. Until they actually do it, there's nothing the police will do. Mind you, as today, they're all going to be walking up and down the roads. Strike. I have a lot of sympathy with the police, as you know, because I have a lot of friends who are in the, uh, in the force. Although there is one lady in the papers today who probably wishes she wasn't in the papers today. Uh, I'll let you read the story in there, but uh, she's, been, she's been quite good at touching people. Let's put it that way. I'll believe it at that one, I think. So that's why... Uh, Barbara, I think, you know, you can't set a dog on to somebody. Unfortunately, you can't take the law into your own hands. Rob says, David Walliams reminds me of uh, of the butler who answers the door in the horror films. Yes. Uh, George points out that Demis Roussos is still with us at 62. Yes. Uh, 84850, uk. D says, now you've done it. I'm now going up to get some liver and to cremate it. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it, love it, love it. Liver and bacon, how super. Oh, dear. Uh, Janine and Ealing, or Janie, or Jackie, or Molly, or Jenny and Chalfonts and Giles. She seems to move around a little bit, a little bit split personality. Says, a nanny trains a college nursery assistant train on site. I think you mean nursery assistant. And uh, they might do, but they're still, they're still involved with children. You know, that's, that's, that's how it works, actually. It's generally children. Uh, Will Jonathan Antoine Size make him a star? I don't know. It's certainly a talking point in all the papers today, which is a shame, really. It's supposed to talk about his voice. They talk about how, how big he is and why he was picked on at school. As I said before, everybody was picked on at school. Everybody. Uh, as you know, because you heard in the news that uh, Videl Sassoon has died at the age of 84. We did him for In Conversation last year. We'll have a little clip of that in con, the other side of the news, at uh, 6 o'clock this morning. Uh, plus, we're talking to you. Especially if you've been to a psychic. Martin says, was that James Whale doing a wind-up? Do you know, honestly, if I thought it was, if I thought it was, I'd go round his house and smack the back of his legs. <laughs> I really, I never thought about that, actually. And there used to be, we've had famous people over the years phone Elbert. Not that I think James Well is a famous person, I'm just telling you now. That we've had famous people phone and sort of pretend to be somebody else. The classic one was, again, Clive Bull, Sven the Fisherman, turned out to be uh, Peter Cook, who used to phone up as Sven. And then we've had, we've had various other people over the years. It's been, it's been quite, quite entertaining, as they say. Uh, here's a little oh, glamour girl, Holly Henderson. Not, not glamorous at all, really. Rather cheap, I'm afraid. Sticking two fingers up to the camera because uh, she was a bit upset at being spotted sunbathing on a beach. She's 33. She's mother of two. Jetted to Marbella after being blitzed with abuse for telling all about her affair with uh, the phone fling with Mario Balotelli. She's a class act. I like people like that. They always, always make me smile, actually. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Are you convinced by the psychic? Does that make you think, oh, that definitely sounds like the kind of thing for me? Or did you think, what a load of old rubbish? 08456060973. Them's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Eileen says, you're right, Diana worked as a nanny before she went to the nursery for a lady and looked after her two children. That other woman should get her facts right. I know, sometimes you can't, you can't preach to the permanently stupid, ladies and gentlemen. It is a little bit difficult until you're even armed with the facts. 
You can't convince some people. It's just like bang, bang, bang against the proverbial brick wall. I'm getting ready to go to work, says Elaine, to teach childcare. I teach level three students who choose to work either as a nanny or a nursery practitioner. Uh, used to be known as nursery nurse. You need a qualification to work with children. By the way, not on strike. Last few strikes, mainly all staff, have been in. We value our jobs, which are being cut due to savage government cuts. Absolutely. Somebody else says, you're quite right, Steve Diner worked as a nanny before she went to the nursery. Yes, I know she did. Luckily, I know the facts. You know, it's so much easier. Uh, Mark says, when you receive unsolicited mail from self-proclaimed psychics, do you, is, does such a thing exist? I've never heard of such a thing. I suppose it must do. They charge you a fee for their service. You would notice in the small print that it's only intended as an entertainment. Yes, I've, yes actually, now you say that, you've, you've absolutely reminded me that it is done as an entertainment. They do put down. I think, you, I think Sally Morgan's is done as an entertainment. She, she, she daren't actually claim that she talks to the dead. It's done as an entertainment. I think that's how it has to be sold to people, because otherwise you can get into the most dreadful trouble. Uh, Lynn says, oh my, the chap who has the gift has totally depressed me. Not sure whether it was delivery or the subject. Yes, well, I I said it would split people, didn't I? I said people were either going to agree with it and like that kind of thing, or they're not. As for liver and bacon, yuck. Oh, you see, I thought you'd go for liver and bacon. It's, it's my, my favourite. I could eat liver and bacon for breakfast. Absolutely. Liver and bacon for breakfast. How delicious. Uh, we're talking about playgrounds. If you live near a playground, how noisy they are. But if you live near a playground, surely you, you kind of expect, don't you, to hear lots and lots of, of kids screaming. And they scream. When they run around, they scream. You know what it's like in the garden? You, you, you get the garden hose out when you could get the garden hose out, and the kids run around and you squirt them with water, they, ah, they scream. They do that all the time. Ours do it at home. They're, just, they're terrible. My God, children just scream and scream and scream. They're a little bit more grown up about things now, but uh, they still like to do it. And some kids have got the most piercing... You could crack glass. You could absolutely crack glass. Now, you've heard the sad news, if you've woken up, that Videl Sassoon... Uh, has died at the age of 84. I caught up with him, I think it was last year. He was promoting a, a film which was made about his career. And we met, we didn't do it here in the studio, we went out into Soho, and he was booked in to this, what they call a facility, where you turn up and they have their own engineer and you just sit down and you do the interview, then they give you a, a CD with your interview on it, then you bring it back and you do what you want with it. And so we go down there, we were in the tiniest room you've ever seen. I've never been in such a small room. Seriously, uh, bigger bathrooms... Bigger bathrooms here in the building. But when we, we, we sat down, and charming as he was, he told me how he came about to be doing his apprenticeship when he was just 14. Needed the money. Actually, when we met Adolf Cohen in Whitechapel Road, because he was the big hairdresser of the neighbourhood, mm. and uh, he wanted 100 guineas. That was 100 pounds and 100 shillings for a two-year apprenticeship. They charged because they had to teach. And my mother said, I'm terribly sorry, we don't have a hundred buttons. And I I was thrilled because I really didn't want to be there. I thought the girls were pretty, but what did I know about hair? And uh, I opened the door for my mother and ushered her through, doffed my cap to the boss, with a big grin, walked out. And he followed us out, and he said, you seem to have very good manners, young man. Start Monday. And he looked at my mother and says, forget the fee. Wow. And she was the happiest person in the world. I was the most miserable. 
And because hairdressing was still relatively new in those days, how do you then do that leap from being that young lad who does the shampooing to being allowed to cut? Well, you learned and you watched and you made lots of mistakes, and, but you had models in the evening and you cut. Did you make mistakes? Still making them. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, you were so able I mean if, if people think in terms of celebrity hairdressers you were if, if we were using the term celebrity you were celebrity hairdresser number one I never looked at it that way really the whole essence for me of the craft was developing it into something different at 50 uh, 1954 I was 26 uh, we opened a very small salon on third floor in Bond Street and uh, it was small, 700, 700 feet. And uh, I just had a staff meeting. There was only four of us at the time. <laughs> I said, we're going to change hair. Oh, I'm out of here in five years. I didn't intend to stay. And although it was pretty and lovely and what have you, and I didn't intend to stay and do the hairdressing that was done at that moment because... When you looked at books, because of course I couldn't afford to travel in those days, mm. but when you looked at books and you saw the pictures of modern architecture going up, when I went to New York and saw the Seagulls building and, uh, you know, Mises' marvellous shape, everything is shape. So I thought, hairdressing has to be shape, has to be cut, angled, geometrically, and become as architectural as possible so it was really an arch I was inspired by architecture mm. and of course Mary Quant who I worked with since uh, 1957 believe it or not and it, and, and it became your life you know around the world I mean it's a huge industry now Videl Sassoon well it really did because <clears throat> I had to make a decision do I stand behind the chair for the rest of my life mm. or do I take an artistic team and global trot and that's what we did well, that's what he did and that's what made him so successful he was 83 i didn't like to mention age to him when we talked i found it impertinent to say to somebody how old are you but i have a feeling that it might have cropped up halfway through the interview i can't remember exactly but uh, he looked very good he many people you know when they get to their 80s they do slow down a little bit but uh, he was quite charming quite quite charming videl sassoon uh, talking to me on In Conversation. There are pictures, actually, which we took down. I don't know how we managed to take pictures down there because there was no room at all. But it's on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve. And about halfway down, that will take you to the pictures of me and Videl Sassoon. And we talk about everything. It was really, he, was, he obviously enjoys having a chat. I'll I tell you who we did talk to a while ago, and I'd love to get him back in again because he's just going into the Palladium. Des O'Connor is going in, taking over from Russell Grant. They're, they've obviously got some inspired casting here. This is Bill, Bill Kenwright, Uncle Bill, who has uh, put Des O'Connor back in. I think this is the first time he's actually been in a show at the Palladium. He's played the Palladium many times as our Des. He's 80. He's 80. You know, and, and Des O'Connor, I'm telling you, you never meet a smarter man in your entire life. Uh, 84850. I love liver and bacon, says Elaine. Pop a bit of red wine as it makes it taste even better. When I make my chutney, I spoke of, I shall send you some. Oh, chutney, I love chutney. Uh, Phil was talking about the uh, the sentencing 
of the man in that uh, gang the other day who abused the children. Uh, they've been sentenced to uh, 77 years in total, but they reckon that there's another 50 people that they could have found in this group. Uh, I think the, uh, the least uh, they got was, I think, three years, and it's uh, up to 12, 14 years for one of them. 14 years. So, in total, 77 years in jail for that uh, that abuse of those uh, girls. The the podcast, incidentally, is still available of Videl Sassoon. 22nd of May last year it was broadcast. So if you're, a, if you're an avid podcaster, as indeed we know thousands upon thousands of you are, uh, that was one that you missed out, then uh, you need to... Oh, actually, I must tell you, a friend of mine came back from America the other day and he said, I was at the airport, he said, and there was this awful... There was this, this snogging noise. Snogging noise. And who do you think it was? Dawn French and her new boyfriend. LBC 97th of Allen. Morning, morning. Nice to have you company. It's 18 minutes. Apparently I've made a mistake, says uh, Carolyn in Stockwell, who's obviously one of those nitpickers. She says that you've made more than one error. You said the first class stamp was 47p. It was 46p. You said you'd say 13. You actually say 14. Get over yourself. <laughs> so much. Of Put this way, you're saving money. They work. I tested them earlier. Uh, <coughs> uh, not the happy chappy he claimed to be, Steve. That was when we were listening to our uh, our psychic this morning. But people do go to psychics. People do go. You know, dreadful. Fair Steve says, uh, uh, Phil says, mixing Dave Clark for Dave D, then Demis Roussostet. I know. I'm doing it just to wind you all up, and it's working beautifully, actually. It really, it's keeping you alive, isn't it, many of you? Keeping you going this morning. I quite like that idea. Eight for eight. Keeping you just on your toes which I like. And uh, Colin of Glasgow says, uh, I went to a clairvoyant recently. She laughed all the way through our chat. She was a happy medium. Thank you. I bet she was large, actually. You don't get sort of mediums, do you? In, in, they're always quite large ladies, mediums. I don't know why. I never went... I'm, my, I did go to one once. I was out with a friend of mine in Nottingham. He said, I've got this marvellous psychic. We need to go and see her. And so I said, oh, brilliant. So we, we go to see this woman and we do it in her kitchen. So we sit in this poor woman's kitchen, and, and she and she said, have you got an item you can give me? And I'm sort of thinking, perhaps I should have marked everything. I don't want to lose anything here. And so I, I gave her a ring, and she said, oh, your mother, she said, oh, your mother, she said, healing hands your mother's got. Now, my mother couldn't stick a Band-Aid on straight. I mean, you know, if there was an elastoplast, she'd screw it up. She just couldn't do it at all. It's not her fault. She was just one of those sort of people. In fact, you know, we used to have disasters. It was anything like that at all. So after she made that mistake, I'd, I didn't bother with her, I'm afraid. I kind of sort of gave up on psychics. And then when LBC started having psychics years and years ago, and, and some, of the, some of them were actually quite, quite good and quite clever, but I was never sure how much was cold reading. Jay Patel says, any chance of the podcast of Videl? Yes, it's up there from the, um, the 22nd of May, of May last year. Okay. Uh, Dave in Barkingside says, you must try liver casseroled in a packet of French onion soup. I've never done a packet of soup in my entire life. Is that the soup with powder and you mix it up with water? Oh, disgusting. Can't think of anything worse. That's very common. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be found doing anything like that at all, I'm afraid. If I, I wouldn't actually, it's middle class again. I wouldn't actually be doing French onion soup anyway. I don't like onion soup. I bought some onion, some, I bought some, what did I buy the other week? Onion rings in batter. They were so horrible. They were just... Dis- I don't know why I bought them, actually. I bought them... Because there used to be a, a great rib place round here somewhere, which we all used to go to on a Friday night, and they used to do what they called an onion loaf. And it looked like a, a baked loaf, but it was all onions, and it was quite delicious. And I've always wanted to, re- to retrace my steps, so I bought these onion rings in batter, and they were very dull. Oh, good news is that Francis Barber is the paper reviewer this morning. Will she be coming in naked again, or do you think she'll be having a little bit of makeup on her face? I don't know. Frances Barber is 54. 
<laughs> Ever since we talked to her the other day on the programme. This is about the uh, getting to that certain age and you have to kind of, you know, you just want to look after yourself. So, I mean, I nearly went out the other day, tried to get some more of this cream, which I couldn't get hold of. And then I thought, I don't know. Should I just let myself go and go with the ageing process? And then I thought, I can't do that. I can't. Although I, this morning I got a bit carried away watching a television programme. It was, it was where they send the children away on holiday, but the parents go with them as well. And so the parents turn up, but they're watching their, their children's antics for a week. And they're suddenly horrified to discover that their children drink, uh, play debauched games in bars after they've had drinks and things like that. And there was one couple out there, very pleased with their daughter. She behaved impeccably. She was very nice indeed. But uh, one of the boys out there, he t- his mum turned up and she said, I'm so shocked. And she embarrassed him in front of all of his friends, which is the worst thing that your mum can ever do to you. Embarrassed. She said, I'm heartily ashamed. Uh, we, we, we've heard everything. The conversations you've had, the things you were getting up to, the first day you were so drunk, you were lying in the road half naked. It was horrible. You embarrassed us. As a f- I'm thinking, oh, this doesn't get any worse. And I was so, I was so late and so engrossed in this programme, thinking it's your worst nightmare, that I, I looked at the clock and, and it, it, it was time to get in the shower. But unfortunately, it was time for getting in the shower and having the quickest shower that I've ever had in my entire life. Ridiculous. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned The Only Way is Essex, because I didn't watch it. I'm just, I'm, I'm working on the assumption that they have got rid of, and I don't know, somebody might have to tell me, uh, Lauren Goodyear has been dropped from the show. I mean, that can only be good news. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd recast the whole thing. Let's just sort of talk, talk to the parents. They're probably marginally more interesting. Nick Ferrari this morning, after the news at seven, looking at the papers for him today. Here's Camilla Tomine, royal editor of the Sunday Express. They'll be looking at the police cuts, the pension disputes resulting in this coordinated strike action today. And uh, they're going to be talking to Unite Heathrow, facing further chaos. Don't you just hate it? I'm always, always grateful that whenever they have chaos up at Heathrow and the strike action, I'm never flying out of the country because that does put people off. Uh, the lighting of the Olympic torch in Greece. I quite like it. It's, it's, it's a bit of an old-fashioned set. A lot of people wearing sort of white robes. And that's just the men. And because uh, they have soldiers over there with pom-poms on their shoes. What that tells you about soldiers in Greece, I've got no idea. But, uh, you know, they're not, not the butchest, OK? And uh, Ashley, oh, they've got Ashley Butler and Pudsey on the programme this morning. Oh, good. The dancing dog's in. That'll be nice. <laughs> I think they're actually in... Oh, they're, they're, not, they're just going to phone up. What if the dog speaks? That'll be interesting. And uh, France, counting the whole country's votes in one night, yet we take a day to count the mayoral votes. Why? Because we're just very slow. We can't help it. We can't help it. Uh, more of your texts and emails. I'll just run through the front page of the page just for uh, uh, Susan Bookbinder gets her hands on them and France's a little bit later on. And uh, just wrap up with, uh, with uh, these. The replace was Tony Romer's, says Karen. You're right, it was Tony Romer's. It was. Jason says, can I get an LBC car sticker from reception? No. I don't, th- no, I don't think you can. I did find, actually, a box of car stickers a while ago, but I don't know, I don't know what happened to them. But Tony Romer's was definitely the replace. Definitely the rib place. Uh, Soggy Semolina, Jane, who's on pills, I'm afraid. And uh, uh, a lot of people talking about... A lot of people talking about psychics. A lot of people talking about psychics. Front pages of the, uh, of the papers this morning is what you're waking up to. Rihanna on a drip. Uh, I think because she's had some nights out on the town... And uh, she's a little bit sort of, you know, needs to go into hospital for the, uh, for the rundown. The world's top footballer, Lionel Messi, plunged into a racism row yesterday by a Premier League player who claims the Barcelona superstar called him the N-word. It's on the front page of The Sun. Uh, there's also Britain's Got Talent finalist Lovable Rogues are facing claims of a fix after admitting ITV1 boss's hand picked them for the show. Uh, also the papers today, uh, You Lose, Katada. 
sooner he's out the country, the better. Uh, then they've got uh, Rihanna, the pictures inside. Uh, 77 years for the sex piece, 50 more on the loose. And I think the most was the ringleader, 59, who we don't have a name for. He got 19 years, Mohammed Sajid, 12 years, Gabi Hassan, 9 years. The least they got was, uh, was 4 years. So uh, that uh, clears that problem up for the meantime. And uh, Rod Little is talking about racism today in his column. Uh, also, the Queen's speech in 2012. And for some reason, the Sun have given over two pages to the uh, dreadfully dreary, I'm afraid, um, what's it, Ali G, or whatever his, I can't remember what his name is, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron, I thought of it by myself. Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> I can remember eventually if I get a little bit of prompting. And it's, it's on his new film. He'll only be interviewed, though, if you interview him as the character. Johnny Depp had the opening of his new film last night. You'll, you'll want to go and see it. Because it's sort of scary and yet frightening at the same time. It's, 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 it's a bit like James O'Brien. Scary and frightening at the same time and, and with special effects, which is lovely. Thousands of jobs going at Clinton's cards. Can't happen too quickly because you can buy cards anywhere now. I think, you know, we're not going to have too many shops in, in the future just selling cards. They need to, to diversify. But I used to go to Clinton's because one year I gave her my friend's teddy bears from Clinton's and they were on special offer. I think they were nine ninety nine, reduced from 20 quid or something, so I bought loads of them and put them in the bags with everybody's chocolates and bottle of champagne. It worked very well indeed. John Travolta, the, uh, you'll remember the story yesterday which emanated about two people who were making allegations about John, and he said, uh, it's ridiculous, here I am in New York on a photo shoot eating at Mr Chow's. How is this possible? Unfortunately, the, uh, the man who is representing these two people, says he's got a hundred other people who have come out of the woodwork to say that uh, John Travolta um, messed about as well. And so now John Travolta's lawyer has hit back. This one could run and run. And they've said we're actually countersuing. You know, none of it. This is just absolutely ludicrous. Uh, and there's a picture of... It's, it's, a, it's a photograph here of, of uh, a 1961 abstract called Orange, Red, Yellow. It's by an artist called Mark Rothko. It set a world record. It's gone for 54 million. And all it is, it's just three bars of colour. I'm, I must be... I'm, perhaps I'm not educated enough in the way of art, but I don't quite understand how three bars of colour, which could be done by a three-year-old... In fact, I'm sure when I was that age, I was doing a similar kind of thing, can sell for 54 million. I mean, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Art now is the latest thing. They never tell you who buys it. But people go out there and buy this at 54 million for a picture here, post-war artwork, mystery buyer who bought it. You'd, I'm not surprised you're a mystery buyer. You're probably too embarrassed to tell us you bought something that looks like it was done by a five-year-old. Ridiculous. Listen, that's it for this morning. There will be the free podcast up a little bit later on this morning. And then there'll be the programme podcast as well. And don't forget, you can download Videl Sassoon as well. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Thanks for all your texts and emails. We wove everybody in this morning, which we do every morning. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve, then uh, you can have a look at the pictures of Videl Sassoon when he was 83 and we did the interview Last year, don't forget to download the podcast. Okay, have yourself a lovely day. Take an umbrella; it's going to rain again. Nick and the team with you after seven. Up next on LBC ninety-seven point three, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Beep.